First Corinthians 11 and verse 17. Are we there? Alright, everybody, First Corinthians 11, 17, want to go. And now in this I declare unto you, I praise you not, that you come together not for the better, but for the worse. Let us together again, want to go. Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not, that you come together not for the better, but for the worse. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. So that means that when we gather, we can come together for the better. Glory to Jesus. Or for the worse. Hallelujah. And gathering for the better means to gather unto edification. Hallelujah. What would make this meeting a gathering for the better? Isn't, necess- isn't that by the time you live here, you know, you feel strong in your body, even though that's a good thing? Hallelujah. Isn't that when you live here, you get um, a testimony of financial blessings, even though that's a good thing? Hallelujah. What would be the evidence that we gathered for the better is that you become better in God's word. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. That your understanding of God's word has deepened. Hallelujah. That you are stirred up the more to walk in the realities of the word. Hallelujah. That you are stirred up the more to walk in purpose. Glory to Jesus. And so for the next couple of minutes, we are going to be praying for ourselves. And the prayer is simple. In the name of Jesus, today we are gathered for the better. Glory to Jesus. We are gathered for the better. In the name of Jesus, come and pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Glory to God. Praise Jesus. So God and the Father, we thank you. Thank you, Father, for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Thank you, Father, for the truth of your word. Thank you, Father, for our eyes are open to see. In the name of Jesus, we pray that every confusion is dispelled. Every doubt is dissolved. In the name of Jesus, questions are answered. In the name of Jesus, we are strengthened to walk in the word. In the name of Jesus, we receive instructions. We receive directions. We receive corrections in the word. And we receive a flow of the spirits. Effective and effectual. In the name of Jesus, every sickness is dispelled. In the name of Jesus, every sickness is dispelled. Every weak knee is strengthened. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. And our lives and ministries become better. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Have your seat. Good evening, everyone. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. How are you doing? It's nice to see you. How many of you guys are supporting Chelsea? How many of you are Chelsea fans here? Oh, is that? Wow. Upon Mosiah, there shall be deliverance. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. But we serve a God who has never lost a battle. Amen. Zion, say amen. Say, say amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Uh, I mean, it's nice seeing you guys again. All right. Uh, <clears throat> so let's just get right to it. Uh, the. Are, we are going to continue on today. We're going to be continuing on a study that we began last month on the book of Hebrews. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Please, are we together? Please, let's not be distracted. Okay. So, we began a study last month on the book of Hebrews. Uh, uh, basically, we did some introduction, then we did Hebrews 1 and Hebrews 2, and we stopped at Hebrews chapter 3. And verse 1. Hebrews 3 and verse 1. That's where we stopped last month. 
Uh, but before I start, I just want to say a couple of things. Um, you know, last year, December, that's Kerizuka meeting last year. Remember Kerizuka meeting? Just to be sure. Okay. All right. So, Kerizuka meeting last year, we received some. Let's see. And, you know, one of the words of prophecy we received, just two of them, I'm going to talk about two of them specifically. One of the words of prophecy that we received last year was that um, come March 2022, we're going to have an increase in power gifts. Hallelujah. This year. We're going to have an increase in power gifts, March 2022. Another one that we saw was that we were going to, sorry, it's a bit distracting. No problem. Thank you very much. So we saw that we're going to have an increase in power gifts, of course. Um, and then also another thing that we saw was that we saw that, that we're going to have a lot of prodigal, prodigal believers come back home. Do you remember those words of prophecies? Yeah. And um, you know, one of the interesting things is that that was as regards the miraculous that's that we saw an increase in power gifts. The funny thing is I thought that the word was for the second quarter, like the beginning of the second quarter. So I was thinking like April actually. So you know, it was actually one of you here that you know just sent me a message and you know, it took a screenshot of that particular prophecy and they sent it to me. That was at the beginning of March. And then it was like that, you know, he was praying and then the Lord laid it in his heart to share it to me. I, mean, I didn't even forget it. So I said, oh, interesting. Thank you very much. All right. And then, you know, paid attention to it and then we worked with it. Hallelujah. Gracious. So I'm not going to be giving about four of the testimonies we received last month. Actually, just about four. We had a number of testimonies, actually, a good number of them. But I'm just going to, I, was going to, I was going to share it on Instagram, but I just felt a pull in my spirit not to. So I said, you know what, I'm going to share it here. Alright, so um, I'm just going to share about four of them. Um, okay, let me start from the one that we had in our meeting. Now, aside, you know, last month's meeting, we prayed for a number of people that had pains in their necks and their backs. Now, I'm not even going to talk about most of those guys. Now, there was someone that we prayed for, if you remember, who, while I prayed for her, she spoke about joint pains, generalized joint pains. I didn't even remember. There was a lady that spoke about joint pains, actually. So, um, I, we prayed for her course and then she reached out to me i think a week or two after and then said that she had a long so i mean after that time of course she didn't feel any pains but she didn't want to jump into confession i like people like that you know people that they want to test testimonies always test test god isn't this too early <laughs> so, so you know she um had a very she, had, she traveled via road and it was a bit of a journey i think she even said it was longer than usual right and then she was she said the position she was in basically on the journey was, wasn't comfortable for a very long period of time. And you know, you would expect that the pain would come again. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. But even, I think she said she spent about six hours on the journey of being folded, like, I don't even want to know. Then she got down, she reached out to me, and she was like, there are no pains. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Now that's one. Another one that was interesting was someone, a lady, interestingly, the person that connected this lady to me doesn't even come from <laughs> The person is never consistent with our meetings, right? And then this lady reached out to me, said um, she's been having terrible chest pains. Uh, chest pains that she hasn't been able to... In fact, it was so bad, she had to leave school. Right? So she was at home when she called me that for the past two to three days, she, hadn't, she hasn't been able to sleep well. All right? And then I told her on the call, right? on the call, I said, I know, when, you know, when there is a word of prophecy for a particular period, like already in March, there was a prophecy that we're going to see healings. So imagine somebody calling you about sickness during that period. I was more excited... <laughs> It was funny, like I was excited on the call, like yes, you know. So I thought it was very funny. I'm sure that the girl herself must have been wondering because I think it was her first experience with like seeing healing firsthand like that. Because I told her on the call, I said, As I'm pray- I'm going to pray for you now, the pain is going to go now. 
Like, it's not one of those, um, we pray for you, you know, then you not say by faith, you know. I don't do, I do healing by faith too, but I don't really, like, check it there. Do you get? So I told her, I said, this pain is going to crash here now. And I'm sure even on the concert, you're sounding like, shall I pray? Do you get? You know, shall I pray? Do you get? So, I mean, I mean, and now, pay attention. This was someone who, for the past two to three days, had not slept because of the pain. Teacher, without the pain. Prayed for her at that spot. The pain crashed immediately. It was so weird. The things she could, before we prayed, there were some things she could not do on the call. And the moment we were done praying, I said, do those things. She did it the first time. I said, mm, do it again. Hallelujah. Before God is real. Glory to Jesus. Before God is real. You know, it was worse. What was even funnier was, I said, okay, you know what? Tomorrow morning, give me a report. You know, some pains are funny. They will go now. They will not come back again. You know, say, ah, that man, I know God did not call him. It's just for me, you know. So I said, you know, reach back to me again. And then the next day, so 10 a.m., she had not reached out to me. So I now sent her a message. Maybe, just, you know, <laughs> not like I did not trust God, though, but you know. <laughs> so I reached out to her. And then I think around like 11 or 12, then she now texted me back. She was like, I'm really sorry, sir, that she slept off. Somebody who, now, someone who has not slept well in two to three days, like, I'm, I'm sure it's the accommodation of the sleep. <laughs> she just like I mean she just slept and she was like in fact that she woke up just because she wanted to take her meds that she just woke up because she, that she's going back to sleep now hallelujah but that's just true uh, let me let me try to remember now there's I don't know if some of you remember a word I gave when I when during the series on the book of Ephesians I gave for somebody's now folks who are not in our discipleship class might not know this but then there was a word I gave concerning somebody's dad in one of our teachings and it was pretty. Um, something about somebody's health, his, his health, you know, so on and so forth, right? And then, now, this, this one I must even say now. See, when a word of prophecy is given for you, hallelujah, I don't like to be hearing, ah, I'm sorry, sir, that I did not tell you. Like, this story is very weird <laughs> to me. Somebody got healed. You not tell me, like, later, later. In fact, the funny thing was, I was the one that asked. I was going to ask the person. <laughs> I was going to ask. You know, it's so funny. Like, I, I have to even, like, say, I just remembered. Ah, come. I pray for somebody. Don't put me to false prophets. Do you get, like, <laughs> you know, I think I said this before. That do you know how they used to test false prophets in the Old Testament? Do you know? You want, should I tell you how? How? If they say something and it doesn't come to pass, you're a false prophet. And do you know what they do to false prophets? They stone them. So they, oh, you already read the Old Testament, so you guys. <laughs> you already now you are seeing the importance of Old Testament now. You will feel like a word man now. <laughs> so they will stone them to death. Hallelujah! You know, just think about how many people would have stoned to death in this Nigeria. Just think about so and so. I, I'm I'm very very keen. I mean, particularly these days, I'm very very keen on the things I see. Hallelujah! Glory to Jesus. If I don't hear it, I don't say it. Hallelujah. So when I say it, I pay attention to it. Are we together? And so you know, I have to reach out to this person. You know what's going on? And the person says, ah, I'm so sorry. Now, you need to know. Now, this person told me that, like, for a period of time, I think a very long period of time, his dad was off medications, didn't to use drugs. Then all of a sudden, dad started having health issues, you know. Became so bad, he couldn't even drive. Do you understand me? And then, I now reach out to you some other time. How is this? You say, ah, I'm so sorry. He's healed. He's totally fine. Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> ah, people are, people are amazing, you know. 
Like, so your dad is totally fine. No more health issues. He's not using drugs again. Nothing. But you just somehow forgot. Ah. Just for my ministry. It's just starting. Hallelujah. I, if I remember the other one, I, I did, no, I was supposed to even list them out. But if I remember them, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to talk about the last one. But can we just give God thanks? Just lift your hands and give him praise. Say, Father, we thank you for these healings. We thank you for your word. Thank you for healings, for your power. Thank you for the truth of your word. That your word is reliable enough enough. We can trust your word and we see healings. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh yeah, I remember the last one. The last one was even very interesting. The last one was a healing via a WhatsApp status post. So I posted on my WhatsApp status. I can't remember. I think I posted one. I just posted, maybe it was a line or two, actually. And I said, maybe healing is real or something. Or healing is everywhere. Something like that. Then someone reached out to me and said, at the point when he was just about to his phone. No. He was on his way back from church. Right? And he had this major discomfort in his eye. He couldn't tell what it was, whether he had itchy or pain. An itch or pain. And then he said, as he opened up WhatsApp, and then he looked through, he was just looking through statuses, and then he got to my WhatsApp status. He said, the message saw is the pain left. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. The power of God is real. Hallelujah. The power of God is real. Amen. Put his death. And so, the Lord laid it on my heart. Carizo committing this year, alright, the second, the second day, the evening of the second day is going to be a healing and miracle service. Hallelujah. Healing. Or I would have people come around that have had testimonies through the year. Testimonies of healing. I, I think that's something I want us to do more important. I want us to begin to document testimonies. Like, look at how terrible it is. Even the testimonies of last month, I don't have them documented. You're supposed to beat me. But of course you cannot. It's me, it's me and God. <laughs> so, you know, so, you know, we're going to document testimonies. We'll have folks, for folks who can't make it down, alright, would probably record it or something. Or they might even do it like do a short clip of it we play it are we together then for folks who can make it down they also talk about their testimony step goes straight up and then we flow in healing hallelujah glory to Jesus hallelujah. Amen. amen hallelujah and so the reason I share that for two reasons I share that first of all you know of course to increase your faith in the healing power of God hallelujah but then much more I share that so that you can trust or so that your faith in the prophetic increases hallelujah glory to Jesus you can trust what God's word says. Amen. Hallelujah. I know it's, 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 it's something I've noticed, unfortunately, among, um, permit me to say, Christocentric folks. The, 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 the fact that you see something consistently does not change the fact that it's supernatural. Hallelujah. It's as though in circles where you don't have the words of knowledge, you know, very rampant among, you know, church members, you know, where prophecies only come once in three months. It's as though in those kind of places, they esteem those things more. Because of the truth, there is something about when something is rare that makes it more esteemable. I don't know if you get my point. There's just a way we feel when we don't see something often. Are you with me? But it mustn't be that way. Our reverence and our awe for the things of the spirits mustn't diminish because we see them consistently. Hallelujah. As a matter of fact, it must increase. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Look at 1 Timothy 1 and verse 18. 1 Timothy 1 and verse 18. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 18. He says, This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee. He says that thou by them mightest war a good war for everybody. Let's read together once to go. This charge I commit unto thee. Ah, what's going on? Are we not? Oh, we are not there. First Timothy 1 and verse 18. 
First Timothy chapter 1 and verse 18. Are we there? Are we there? Alright, everybody, let's read together. One, two, go. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest wear good warfare. Amen. There's someone here, you have, one of your parents has their money hooked somewhere. Maybe someone is owing them, or it's a contract that they did and they've not paid them. Something like that, but they have their money hooked somewhere. Can you signify? Please, if you are the one. You are the person. You are the one. All right. In the name of Jesus, I speak to those channels now. In the name of Jesus, that money is released. In the name of Jesus. If God told me of the truth, if God has revealed it unto me, in the name of Jesus and via the ministry of angels, I command those funds released now in the name of Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Alright, so it says, This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before thee, that thou by them mightest were a good warfare. So, now, you know, there is a way we we think about prophecies. God has said it now. If God has said it, will it not come to pass? God is a man that should not lie. You know, neither the son of man that should repent, you know. And you know, we can even, there's a way we can Christianize our ignorance. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. But you see, the instruction is this, is that when you see prophecy, you war with prophecy. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. You know, because this is the reason Paul was speaking in 1 Corinthians 13. And he said, prophecies may fail. Hallelujah. So prophecies can fail. Probably one of these is I'm going to teach about that. What makes prophecies fail or why prophecies fail. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Prophecies can fail. And so you have to pay attention to the words of prophecies. Now, I often say this oftentimes, that in prophecies there are two things. First of all, there are, permit me to say, there are predictions. And then there are instructions. Predictions are the things that are going to happen. Are we together? This is going to happen. 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 And then there are instructions. Instructions are the things you're supposed to do. Hallelujah. So that those predictions will come to pass. Does that make sense, guys? Are we together? And so, you must, the, the problem with most people is that they get so fascinated by the predictions. Are we together? That they do not pay attention to the instructions. Now, here, it, now here is why it is funny. One of the funniest things is this. Even if somebody did not know those predictions, but did those instructions, those predictions will come to pass. Are we together? Are we together? But if a man is only fascinated by those predictions, by those things that are supposed to happen, and he doesn't pay attention to the instructions, those predictions will never come to pass. Are we together? And so, when you hear a word of prophecy, as much as you rejoice about the predictions, your most important note must be the instructions. Are we together? What did God say we should now do? Or better still, how can we best position ourselves for the things that God is said to do? Does that make sense, guys? Are we together? So, beautifully, God, God said it. March 2022, we are going to see more testimonies. I'll be te- if I will tell you the fact, we saw more testimonies in March than we saw in the last four months of this ministry combined. Like, pack all the testimonies that we've seen from like October, November, October last year up till February this year, together. It's not up to what we saw in March alone. There's sometimes where you just have to tell yourself the truth. It's not because people were looking for more sick. It was, super, it was that just supernatural. Are we together? Do you understand me? And so, the way we position ourselves now, how we position ourselves for something like that was that so in a meeting like what we had last month, even though I was teaching on the book of Hebrews, I knew I had to pay attention to the healing power of God. Does that make sense, guys? Are you with me? So, it doesn't even matter that you did not teach on healing. 
Are we together? Now, well, of course, as a, as, as, I mean, as a disciple, if I felt that it had been a while we had emphasized on healing, I probably would have done that. Are we together? But because I knew, well, we've, I mean, we've still, our minds are still fresh on the healing power of God, so I don't necessarily have to change the topic. But I must have my mind set on the healing power of God. Does that make sense, guys? Are we together? That's how to flow with prophecy. Hallelujah. And so, God also said, you know, last year, and said we would have prodigal believers come back home. Hallelujah. And interestingly, I think a while after, somebody posted something on our page. How that um, Pastor Shagun, a man I respect, by the way, also gave that same prophecy, I think, in their watch night service to the new year. The same exact prophecy. We would have prodigal believers or believers who are straight away come back home. Hallelujah. And then I saw that same word of prophecy somewhere else. I think by Reverend Bayo Deo I can't remember. The same exact word of prophecy. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. And so, when you see, now, not just do you see it, now it's beautiful that God through us, or through us as a ministry, spoke those words. But when you see that there's a consistent emphasis by the Spirit of God as concerns something, it is wisdom for you to do what? To align. Are we together? Glory to Jesus. It is wisdom to align. So, while we are in awe, and we are in reverence of the fact that God sees us or deems us as worthy enough, let me say it that way, to speak for that which he wants to do in a time like this, the most important thing for us to do is to do what? Is to align. Hallelujah. And so that's why we are going to have a teaching like what we are going to have tomorrow. What I'm trying to do here is I'm trying to teach you, number one, how to flow with the prophetic. Hallelujah. I'm not just, am I trying to teach you? I'm also trying to show you. Hallelujah. So sometimes, if there is a, if there is a word of prophecy over your life, are we together? Sometimes now, it might not even be in your case that you have to teach. Sometimes in, my, in your case, it might be that you have to go and pick up sermons that talk about that. Are we together? Maybe you see, um, 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 maybe you get a word of prophecy that, okay, in this coming year, there is maybe going to be some increase in your life as regards your career. Now, or maybe someone says something about a business. What you don't do is to go and sit down and wait for a business to come. Amen? What do you do? You launch. Are we together? You launch. It's that simple. So someone said, okay, I see this, I see this, I see that. Are we together? It's about, it's about a business, so on and so forth. Now you go to pray. Maybe you don't even know how to start. Go and pray. Hallelujah. You begin to see the details. This is how to do it. This is how to do it. This is how to do it. Now, when you go to pray about a prophecy, you're not going to pray as to God, make it happen. That's not the prayer. The prayer is, how am I supposed to go about it? Do you understand my point? God, you said that this and this and this is going to happen. Where do I come into play? Amen? Hallelujah. If, for example, with Abraham and Sarah, those three men on the way to Sodom and Gomorrah, if by the time they told him, by this time next year, your wife will be pregnant, and he says, I receive. And he's not do that which a husband is supposed to do to his wife. Amen? It would have been the next year, and they would have not been Isaac. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise God. Somebody said, what is that which your husband is supposed to do to his wife? Tongues and interpretation. <laughs> I didn't hear your voice throughout. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Alright? And so, I just had to say all of that so that you learn. And because, I mean, this, this is um, a, a ministry that is heavily reliant on the flow of God's power and the flow of God's spirit. Hallelujah. So, it's something we're going to see a lot. Hallelujah. We're going to receive a lot of prophetic indications. Now, I mean, it's not even the first time we are receiving such. It was just this way because, I mean, there are some prophetic indications that are for the entire assembly. 
There are some that are for the person over the assembly. Are we together? There are some that are for the set man. Just as I know, for example, some things about the ministry for the next couple of years. Do you understand me? Are we together? Do you understand me? So, I'm saying this so that you know how to flow subsequently. Hallelujah. The Lord tells us this and this and this and this is going to happen. This is how we position ourselves. Hallelujah. Sometimes you mean we increase our fasting. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Sometimes it means we increase our prayer. Hallelujah. Sometimes it means we might stay off social media. What's going on? That's what the Lord has told us to do for the now. Amen. Glory to Jesus. This probably answers some questions that you have <laughs> in your mind. Why are we not doing this? Why are we not doing that? We are not just led to do it here. Amen. But this is not a big deal now. You don't need leading. That's how me I used to do my own. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Are we together? Does that make sense, guys? Leading. Alright, so let's get right into it. So the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter three. Amen, amen, and amen. Hebrews three. Zunda flamanasus the fila prakatina mensus the venus the venu pariga parasus. In the name of Jesus, I speak to that headache. Be gone now in the name of Jesus. Venoprondo susteve letigo pragavila katamionus letizo feraga stofano prangeve letigo tuzusus. You know, I see someone here. There's there's a health condition. The, your your younger sister has a particular health condition. Now, I can't say what exactly it is. I don't know what exactly the health condition is. But one of its effects, or maybe its symptom, is that it has an effect on reproduction. Alright? It has an effect on reproduction. In the name of Jesus, she's healed. Amen. The name of Jesus, she's healed. And she's going to have as many children as she needs to have. Amen. Glory to Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Hebrews chapter 3. Spirit of God. Alright. Um, so, let me just do a little um, recap on what we've done so far in the book of Hebrews. Alright. So, um, I mean, last month, we started from speaking about a little introduction on the book of Hebrews. You know, speaking about... And I think the main thing we said about the introduction was when we were trying to figure out who the writer of the book of Hebrews was. Are we together? And so, who is the writer of the book of Hebrews? You said? <laughs> well, you know... Now, my identity has been exposed. Fine, no problem. <laughs> All right. So, what did you say? Maybe who is the writer of the book of Hebrews? You said? I taught you that. <laughs> You're scared. No <laughs> problem. All right. So, I mean, we, we were not able to ascertain who exactly the writer was, but we were able to ascertain who the writer wasn't. Right? At least we were able to say it can't have been Paul. Can't have been Paul. I mean, and some of the reasons that we gave for that was because, first of all, Paul, uh, Paul's usual salutation to church is when he begins to write epistles. I was together. We don't find that in the book of Hebrews. Whoever wrote the book of Hebrews was angry. He did not greet. <laughs> he didn't greet. He didn't do anything. He just went straight to it. The God who has hundred times and in diverse manner speaking, diverse to the fathers by the prophets. Just went. Alright? So we saw that he couldn't have been Paul for that reason. He also couldn't have been Paul because of how he addressed Apollos in the letter. No, not Apollos, sorry. How he addressed Timothy in the letter. That normally you would see Paul address Timothy as his son in the faith. But here in this book, Timothy was addressed as a brother. Are we together? And then last but not least, we saw in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 2, when it says, we neglect so great salvation, which has first was spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. So we said, based on 
that, what we see is that whoever the writer of the book of Hebrews is would have been a second generation minister. In other words, this person didn't receive the gospel directly from Jesus. Are we together? He received the gospel from those who heard Jesus. Are we together, guys? So, that also clears out all of the early apostles, the 12 apostles. Are we together? And so, we said that very likely, and also, we also saw that whoever is going to write this book must have been somebody that was very, very vast in the laws of Israel. Are we together? So, he most likely would have been a Jew. Does that make sense, guys? Someone that was used to the Jewish traditions. And so, we saw that historically, people narrowed it down to either Priscilla or Aquila. In fact, specifically Priscilla, alright, or Apollos. Are we together? I personally have a liking, I think it might be Apollos anyways, right? But, I mean, and I, and I used that Priscilla fact to talk about the fact that, or to show how that the idea that women in ministry only teach about relationship is rubbish. Amen? Hallelujah. It's never even going to happen in this ministry. Don't let me lie to you. Well, we will teach on relationship. And of course, I mean, if we have female ministers or pastors, I mean, they will teach on it. But that will not be... <laughs> it's not that whenever you see... Whenever you see minister maybe... <laughs> you say, we already know... <laughs> we already know what the topic is. Just like, just, all right? You teach the whole counsel of God's word. Hallelujah. Relationship as part. Amen? To the extent that God's word taught it. Amen? I don't want to shake some tables. There's a, there's a particular pastor. Respectfully, every sermon of his I've ever heard is always relationship. I feel like some of you know what I'm talking about. It's weird. <laughs> like I, I, I'm bothered. Like how can you how can you be a member of a church and all the person talks about is relationship? Like all your sermon accepts are relationship. Nothing else. Always relationship. There's a problem. A serious problem. And now, respectfully, the fact that it is common, or the fact that the person, and to not make it worse, like everybody now knows the person for it. And like, we're acting like it's, okay. It's not normal. Amen. We thank the person for his contribution to the body, but it's not normal. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And, 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 and in case you might say, well, we don't know what he's teaching in the church, you understand? We don't know. He might be teaching you know, salvation. You know, it's not now. Let me tell you why it's not possible. Because as I've told you guys before, teaching apostolic doctrine is not just teaching what they taught, but teaching what they taught to the extent that they taught it. Are we together, guys? Are we together? So the issue is not just that you are teaching what they taught. The issue is that you are placing emphasis on what they place emphasis on. You are going to be a liar, or you are going to be ignorant, not to know how less of an emphasis relationship was in scripture. Amen? Hallelujah. Or not to know how much or how less of an emphasis. When you are looking at the way or the acts of the acts of the apostles or the epistles, you cannot but see that there was less emphasis on relationship or money compared to salvation, redemption, and evangelism. I wish together. Do you understand me? So, teaching apostolic doctrine is not just that you are teaching what Paul taught, but you are teaching what Paul taught to the extent that Paul taught it. Does that make sense, guys? Are we together? Exactly. So, now, I mean, at the end of the day, this is not me <clears throat> trying to condemn what, condemn a man of God. I mean, I have nothing to gain. But this is just to say that there are indications to something. Amen. If all of your ex, in fact, 30% of your sermon accepts respectfully cannot be relationship. Amen. It can't be. Just as 40% of your sermon accepts cannot be money. Hallelujah. You can give instruction, you can give a lot of instructions about money, but you can't give so much teachings about money. How do you want to teach it? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. 
Alright, so back to our teaching on the book of Hebrews. Alright, so um, let me just leave that about the writer of the book of Hebrews. So, so we started our study from Hebrews 1. Alright, when he says, um, God was sorry in diverse manners. I'm just going to try to rush through, so please permit me. And what we saw there was that in different ways, alright, and in many portions, God spoke to the Father by the prophets. Hallelujah. And we established that the fathers spoken about there were the Israelites. Are we together? And so the prophets spoken about there were the prophets to the Israelites. Does that make sense, guys? And so we began to see, and so what we see the writer of Hebrews do actually was he was trying to establish the lordship of the Son. Are we together? Over every other medium of speaking in the old. Are we together, guys? And we saw something very crucial that even though there were different ways they spoke in the old, the summation of all those speaking in the old is the Son. Did we see that? Are we together, guys? So, we saw that if you pick up the prophecies of all of the prophets and you put them together in one, you would arrive at the sun. Does that make sense, guys? And that's why I try to explain um, Luke 24 from verse 45. Go there. Luke 24. Luke chapter 24 and verse 45. Luke 24 and verse 45. It says, Then he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And I said the word understand there. That's the second understand. The word understand there is the Greek word tsunami. Are we together? The word tsunami, which means to bring things together. Are we together? It's from two words, soon, which means together, and emi, which means to walk through. So what we see Jesus do in the scriptures was that he brought Genesis, from Genesis to Malachi, he brought it together, and he did a run through of it together. Are we together? Does that make sense, guys? And by him running through all of those prophecies, we could now see salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Does that make sense? Are we together? Alright, very good. And so, we see that what the writer of Hebrews was trying to do in Hebrews 1, basically, was to establish the lordship of the Son above angels. Are we together? Because in fact, it was as though in Hebrews 1, he was trying to disangels. Does that make sense, guys? Alright? And so, we see that, and then it begins to make more sense why he did that by, by the time we move to Hebrews 2. Because in that says in Hebrews chapter 2, and from verse 1, he says, if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, alright, and every disobedience and transgression received a just recompense of reward. He says, how shall we escape even neglect so great salvation? So we try to understand what he meant by the word spoken by angels. And from our study of the book, on the epistles, we realize that the word spoken by angels was actually the laws. Does that make sense, guys? Was the laws. And so what he was trying to say there was that if a man disobeys the law, alright, and receives a just recompense of reward, how then can you escape if you neglect so great salvation? which was spoken by the Lord. So, if the word that was spoken by angels had its own punishments, where people disobeyed, how much more the word that is spoken by the Lord? Does that make sense, guys? Are we together? Alright? And then it begins to esteem salvation above everything else. And then, in speaking about salvation, in Hebrews 2, it now ended up explaining why the Son had to come as a man. Are we together? Are we together? Look at Hebrews chapter 2. Uh, Hebrews 2 is packed, actually. There's a lot I can say in Hebrews 2, but because of time, I'm just going to jump to uh towards the end hebrews chapter 2 uh let me see where do i start from let's do from verse 10 he says for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood he also himself likewise took part of the same that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death that is the devil so what we see with jesus are we together was that he had to come as a man so that he could die as a man does that make sense, guys? So that he could die as a man. And so, in him dying as a man, we see that in his resurrection from the dead, he defeated death. I'm sorry that I have to run, run through like that. 
because of time, I explain it better. If, if you want to understand it better, just you know, listen to the teaching on Hebrews, the first series that we had. But what we see is that by him dying as a man and him being raised from the dead as a man, he has one authority over death as a man. Are we together, guys? And that is the reason we can identify with what he has done. We can identify with what he has done because he did it as a man. Does that make sense, guys? And we now said that there's something important that the Bible says here. In verse 15, it says, Deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. So, in other words, how we were subject to bondage. So, because you need to understand, when we say things like we were under the authority of the devil, what does that mean? Does that mean the devil had authority? Do you understand? What, what are we trying to say? What the devil really did not have authority over man. Hallelujah. The authority that the devil has is the authority that he had with death. Are we together? For the fact that, now this is it, for the fact that the devil is condemned forever. Are we together? And man as well, as the reason of his fall, was also in condemnation. That was union. Are you with me? So in the real sense of it, it's not like the devil had authority. It's that man was eternally in union with the devil. Does that make sense, guys? Are we together? So that really, so the bondage really was the fact that when a man dies, he has no hope anymore. That's the fear of death. In those days, or before, at least before the sacrifice of Jesus, people used to believe that death was the end of a man. You die, we don't see you anymore. Do you understand my point? But what we see Jesus do was that Jesus has offered the sacrifice, and in so doing, even those who are dead have a hope. Does that make sense, guys? Are we together? And that's what the writer of 1 Corinthians, Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 was trying to say. That if Jesus be risen from the dead, how dare you say there is no resurrection from the dead? Because if Jesus is raised from the dead, that is the hope of the resurrection for every man that has slept in Christ. Does that make sense, guys? So, in Christ now, it is not like as though there is no death anymore. Like there is no physical death. There is still physical death. Even if you are saved, you can die. Are we together? But what has been catered for is the fear of death. Are we together? Because now we know that even if a man dies physically, that is not the end to his existence. Does that make sense, guys? So the bondage with the devil had over us, which was our fear of death, which was that we believe that ah, once we die, that's the end. We don't know what happens. No. That bondage is no longer there because now we know that even if we die, that means we slept in the flesh, we are away from the Lord for a while, at some point we'll be resurrected together to live with him. Does that, do, you understand, do you understand that, guys? Are we together? So the rescuing, the rescuing that god did for us or that the savior did for us in rescuing us from bondage wasn't necessarily that he had to fight the devil to you know deliver us from his arms no are we together the devil didn't have that authority amen plus the devil was okay let me just stop there the devil didn't have that authority are we together what he did in his sacrifice was to make us see that death is no longer the end of a man are we together, guys? So, even, and that's what, I mean, I, I mean, I sing this song again and again. No guilt in life, no fear in death. Are we together? That is how he rescued us from bondage. So, what kept them bound wasn't death. It was the fear of death. Hallelujah. Because if what kept them bound was death, as per physical death, because that was the context of Hebrews 2. Are we together? Because it was dealing with the humanity of Jesus. So, the death there would have been physical death. If what kept them bound was physical death, Jesus is rescuing from what kept them bound that means that nobody dies physically anymore which is not true are we together but what kept them bound was the fear of physical death in itself are we together and you see the fact that this fear has been done away with is the motivation that believers have to go preach the gospel do you realize that this is the reason the apostles could go anywhere to preach this is the foundation 
Hallelujah. Do, go to 2 Corinthians 5. Let me show you something. 2 Corinthians 5. One of the books that Paul speaks of, one of the books that Paul actually speaks of, the resurrection from the dead, or of eternal hope, is actually the book of 2 Corinthians. And yet, that was also the book where Paul spoke the most of his ministry sojourns. Why? Because there is a direct correlation between the believer's assurance in God's ability to raise him up from the dead and his devotion to the work of ministry. Hallelujah. When you know, and that's what Jesus was saying, when Jesus said that, do not be scared of those who can kill the flesh but cannot touch the soul. He says, but rather fear him who has power over the body, that's the flesh, and, over, and power over the soul. Are we together? So when we see people being confident, being assured, of when they, even when they hear that there is danger and then they go there to preach the gospel, the reason is because there is an inherent understanding they have that even if I die here, I'll be raised on the last day. Does that make sense, guys? That is the confidence that they have. So, in fact, the, the, the message of the rapture, the message of the rapture is not the message that when we hear it, that, oh, the message of the rapture is not a message that is secluded for just maybe once or twice in the year. Are we together? Do you understand me? And, even, and it's not even that way for just folks who don't teach the word. Even for folks who teach the word, there's still a way we don't always talk about rapture. I don't know if you've noticed. There's just a part of us that is not used to talking about rapture so much. But the reality of it is this. The message of the rapture is something that we should consistently have because it's a motivation for preaching the gospel. Are we together? It's both a motivation for preaching the gospel in the sense that we need to take as many people as possible with us. Are we together? That's number one. It's also a motivation in the sense that we know that even if while we are preaching the gospel, our earthly body dies away, will be resurrected. Does that make sense, guys? So it's a motivation with which we do the work of ministry. Look at 2 Corinthians 5, as I was saying. 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse... Those people that I prayed for as regards their parents' finances being held somewhere, please ensure that you ask them. Hallelujah. Ensure you ask them. That money is going to come out. Amen? And please let us know. Share your testimony. Amen? Alright. So, 7 verse 5 and verse... Um, okay, let's look at from verse 1. It says, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, talking about the physical flesh, it says, We have a building of God and a house not made with hands, he says, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. He says, for we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened. For not that we will be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. He says, now he that has wrought, the, that wrought us for the self-same thing is God, who also has given us the earnest of his spirit. He says, therefore we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. He says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. So in fact, the context of we walking by faith and not by sight is not the miraculous. The context of we walking by faith and not by sight is knowing that even though we are in this earthly body, we know that we are absent from the Lord, but we are present in the body. In other words, we know that really our, our home is of the Lord. Are we together? Our natural existence, where we are supposed to be normal is with the Lord. Are we together? So, for as long as we are in this earthly body, we are away from the Lord for a while. Does that make sense, guys? That's the mean, so, that's the way we see we walk by faith and not by sight. So, now, it's not wrong to say we walk by faith and not by sight for the miraculous. Are we together? But in the context of 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 5, we walk by faith and not by sight is actually as regards the redemption of our bodies. Does that make sense? Are we together? Let's continue. So, he says, we are confident, I say, willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore, we labor 
Can you see? So, he says, we are confident, I say, willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. He now says in verse 9, wherefore we labor, whether present or absent, we may be accepted, accepted of him. So, as a function of our understanding of being confident that whether we are um, that, um, as a reason of our confidence that we want to be present with the Lord and be absent from this body, we labor. Are we together? So our labor is a function of that confidence. Do you understand me? So the message of the rapture isn't one that you only hear once in three months. No. The message of the rapture is a consistent message of the gospel. Are we together? It's one that we hear consistently. It's one that provokes us to do the work of ministry. Hallelujah. So when you hear Jesus is coming soon, ah, more people need to hear. More people need to hear the gospel. Jesus is coming soon. Oh, even if they persecute me, even if they find a way to bring to end my earthly existence, I will be raised from the dead on the last day. Hallelujah. Do you know this is the kind of mindset a man has to have that in Acts, in the book of Acts, Paul is saying, I'm going to Jerusalem, sir. And everybody is saying, don't go, don't go. He said, I'm going. It was so, you know, you know, I was listening to a particular man of God speak about this, and he said, do you realize how interesting it is that a man knew by prophecy, just imagine it now, there's somebody among us here who says, you know what, I want to go and preach the gospel in Kano. Are we together? I want to go and preach the gospel in Kano. And then we have a Holy Ghost meeting. And then the Holy Ghost meeting, somebody who doesn't know him, sees maybe his Bible and says, ah, whoever has this Bible, and then maybe he uses ropes to tie the Bible and says, the way have tied this Bible with rope. It's the way they are going to tie me in canoe. Ah, we say, ah, the Lord has spoken so that he will not go. I don't know if you understand my point. There's a way we will spiritualize the prophecy and say, ah, the Lord has said it so that we can see it beforehand. Brother, that's a speaking to you so that you will not go. Are we together? But you know, it's interesting. And so, that makes you realize that even with prophecies, prophecies are still subject to the understanding of a man. Are we together? When you, when you are giving a word of prophecy, don't just sit down. The next thing is, okay, what am I supposed to do with it? Now, for Paul at that point in time, the prophecy would have been so that you don't go. The prophecy would have been to prepare him for what he is to expect. Do you understand me? And so that's why when Paul was speaking, he says that, now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem. Is it not funny that the same spirit that told Agabus what was going to happen is the same spirit that bound Paul to go to Jerusalem? <laughs> Hallelujah. So, the point of it, so, and that's the reason why you can't just take um, prophecies as singly. What is the Spirit of God leading us to do in that period of time? Are we together? What does this prophecy have to come to do? Or what does this prophecy have to play in that which the Lord is leading us to do in this period? Does that make sense, guys? Are we together? And so, now, Paul knows, and so he says, he says, I, I, I'm going bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem. He says, not knowing what will befall me, that's a lie, you know. He says, he now says, now, interesting, Paul is very, he's a very funny guy. He now says that, save that the Holy Ghost testify it, of my bonds in every place. Oh, why did you not say that you don't know? <laughs> you know, they will tie you like cow. <laughs> they will tie you. You already know. You know? Hallelujah. So, what I'm just trying to let you see or to establish is that our understanding of the rapture must be a constant. Like, the rapture must be something that we say consistently in the church. Jesus is coming soon. It's normal. Amen? Hallelujah. That is what provokes us to preach. Hallelujah. A church that is not conscious of the second coming of Christ can never be just with evangelism. Hallelujah. If we continue to live like this world will continue to exist forever, we will never preach the gospel. Because think about it. Why? What's the point? You will never preach the gospel. It is only a church that is minded about the coming of our Lord Jesus 
that can be serious about reaching men with the gospel and deploying more men for the gospel. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Alright. And so, okay, that's that's that about that. So um Hebrews two. So we, we saw in Hebrews two the implication of Jesus coming as a man, all right? And we saw how that it was to deal with the bondage we had, which was the fear of death. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. And so let's see how he wraps up Hebrews two. Hebrews chapter two. Let's see how he rounds it up. Say I'm never confused. I'm never stranded. I know what to do. I know how to do it. I know where to do it. I know whom to do it with. I want to say with some boldness and confidence. Say I'm never confused. I'm never stranded. I have all that I need. The power of God is working for me. The power of God is working through me. Amen. I heard the name Damola. I heard the name Damola. We here knows a Damola. Either you're a Damola, maybe it's another name of yours, or you know a Damola. Who is the person? You know a Damola. What about you? You know a Damola. Are we talking tongues, please? Mouse for Vina, Mambra, Catevela, Christopher Nombra, Alipro, Davio, Branstopher Nombra, Catele, Vedigo, Barasa, Lemprativa, Nasus, Stevenetila, Bacoro, Catina, Vasus, Esteven, Gadilo, Savasus. Amen. We don't damalize a guy. You know two guys that Damola? A lady. Okay. Two guys that Damola. Which of them, uh, the person I see is, um, is, is not dark skinned. He's like, his complexion is, you power black hair. <laughs> his complexion is like, okay, like, something like Mabel. Something like Mabel. Like this. Your cousin. Right. Speak to me later. Hallelujah. Okay, so, Hebrews 2. Glory to Jesus. Amen. Please let's talk in tongues. Let's talk in tongues. Please. Talk in tongues. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Say I can see by the Spirit. I can hear by the Spirit. I can know by the Spirit. Glory to Jesus. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Alright, so Hebrews 2. So, um, he rounds off saying, Ah, it's really good. I want to teach. Um, he says, Wherefore in all things, verse 17, Wherefore in all things it behoved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest. So we see that the point of him trying to explain why he had to come as a man was also to ascertain why he was eligible to be the high priest for men. Are we together? Are we together? So, he already shows you why this person was the perfect sacrifice. He's the perfect sacrifice because he's a man like us. Hallelujah. So, if he died as a man and rose as a man, that makes total sense. Because that way we can identify with what he has done because he was a man. Are we together? But then he also now says, not just is he now perfect. So, that already lets you see why, in fact, this man makes much more sense as a sacrifice than animals. Are we together? Because he is a man just like us. Now, he now says, not just is he only perfect as the sacrifice, but he's also perfect as the high priest for this same reason. Because he's a man. Hallelujah. Now, we're going to see, I think that will be in chapter 4, when we, when we begin to study chapter 4, we're going to see why he had to be, he had to be Jesus 
Jesus had to become a man to be a perfect high priest. You will see that very soon. Are we together? But now, that is what he's beginning to introduce here. Are we together? But remember what I said last, I, I think I said this last month. That so, what you see from Hebrews chapter 1, the beginning of Hebrews 1, up to where we are in Hebrews 2 right now, is a build-up of an argument. So, he starts the book by telling you, see, every form of speaking that was done in the Old Testament is summed up in Christ. Hallelujah. And then he begins to show you the lordship of Christ over every other form of speaking. So it starts with angels. And why does he speak about angels? In order to show you how whatever word angels speak will be subject to the word that is spoken by the Savior. Are we together? Does that make sense? Now he begins to now show you how the Savior is a much more perfect sacrifice than whatever sacrifice was part of the words that the angels spoke. Because don't forget, the words that the angels spoke are the laws. Are we together? And so, he's trying to show you that the sacrifice of the Lord is more important than any sacrifice that is present in that which the angels spoke. Does that make sense, guys? Are we together? So now, go to Hebrews 3 and verse 1. Let's start now. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 1. Partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. And, I, and okay, yeah, one of that we saw from Hebrews 2 was that is, when you see brethren in the book of Hebrews, it doesn't always refer to believers. Are we together? Because we saw that it says in Hebrews 2, brethren actually meant people that were human beings, pretty much. Are we together? Humanity. Hallelujah. Let's go back. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14. For, for, okay, no. Is it 14 now? Where did you use brethren? Okay, from verse 11. For he that sanctifieth, and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause is not ashamed to call them brethren. Come on. Just for you to understand that, please. Just gonna listen to our teaching. I can't do, I can't start the build up onto that. But when you now continue, in verse 12, he says, Saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church, I will sing praise unto thee. And I think I explained this to you guys that church does not always refer to believers. Church can just refer to an assembly of people. Because we saw Acts 7, when Paul, um, when was it Stephen? Stephen spoke about the church in the wilderness and was talking about the assembly of the Israelites. Are we together? So church just means ecclesia, called out once. So it is now the context that determines whether it's talking about believers or not. Does that make sense? Are we together? So, of course, if we call the Israelites a church because they were brought out of Egypt. Does that make sense? And they were separated unto God. Does that make sense, guys? Okay, so let's move on. So, uh, okay, he now says in verse 13, Say, and again I will put my trust in him and again behold I am the children which God has given me verse 14 for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood so in the same context brethren, children he now says as much as the children are partakers of flesh and blood he also himself likewise took part of the same what's the same? flesh and blood are we together guys? do you understand me? so when he calls them brethren at least in the book of Hebrews brethren in this context is just referring to the people that have flesh and blood are we together? humanity do you understand me, guys? So, in the next verse, when he now says, Wherefore, holy brethren, he had to add holy brethren. So, now you know who he's talking about. Are we together? He didn't just say brethren, because brethren will be talking about every human. Are we together? He now says, holy brethren. So, try to let you know, oh, these are those among those humans who have been separated apart unto God. Does that make sense, guys? So, believers. So, he says, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. Are we together? And I've explained to you guys before how that the believer is called. Amen. The believer is called. Hallelujah. Uh, first, first Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. The first calling every man receives is the calling unto salvation. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. 
is the calling unto salvation. So verse 12, verse 9 says, We're a chosen generation, we're a royal priesthood, we're a holy nation. It says to show forth the praises of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Hallelujah. So the first thing we see is the calling from darkness into light. In fact, the idea of the church signifies a calling. The word ecclesia is from two words, ek and kalio. Ek and klesis. Klesis from kalio. It means to call out. Are we together? We were called out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Does that make sense, guys? So what salvation is, is a calling out. Are we together? So the believer is called. Amen? In fact, as I'm going to teach you guys as I go on in our eternal book of Ephesians. <laughs> one of the, I know, some of you are wondering, where am I going to finish this book? Even myself, I'm wondering. <laughs> if I, I myself, I'm wondering. But it's what it is. Hallelujah. You know, but what, as I'm going to show you very soon, in fact, you'll see that we've often, for a long time, we've made a mistake of separating the calling of salvation from the calling of ministry. The calling of salvation is the calling into ministry. In fact, we've always known it. It's just that we never paid attention to it. The call that the man receives into salvation is his call to ministry. Yes. Because, I mean, so as basic as 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, we know that if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature, all things are passed away. The other things have become new. All things of God was, you know, reconciled us to himself, right? giving us the ministry of reconciliation. So, when a man is saved, he also has received the ministry of reconciliation. So, every man that is called into salvation is called into the work of ministry. That's basic. Are we together? But the problem is this, is that we oftentimes, when we hear a call to ministry, wherever you see scripture use call, into, call to ministry for men, oftentimes it is a specific calling. Like, for example, when Paul and Barnabas were called, they were called. Now, the calling that Paul and Barnabas had in Acts 13 wasn't a call to ministry. Every believer is called to ministry. These men had already been doing ministry before this time. Are we together? They were called into a particular assignment. Do, do, do you understand me? So, in fact, when we speak of a calling that is separate from the call of. So, the two kinds of calls we have. The first call is a calling unto salvation, which is a calling unto ministry. The second call is a call to a specific assignment. Do you understand that? Are you with me? So when we separate it, don't just separate and say there's such a thing as the calling unto salvation. Because I said that before. I said there's, there's a calling unto salvation, then there's a calling unto ministry. That's not true. The calling unto salvation is the calling unto ministry. But the second call is now a calling unto a specific assignment in your ministry. Does that make sense, guys? Do you understand me? So Paul and Barnabas, I mean, Paul had been preaching from Acts 9. From the, from the moment he got saved, he had been preaching from Acts 9. Are we together? But then in Acts 13, he is now called, separate unto me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work where unto I have called them. Does that make sense, guys? Don't worry, when I get to Ephesians 4, I will explain that a lot more clearly. Hallelujah. Alright, so Hebrews chapter 3. So he says, um, partakers of the heavenly calling, he says, consider the apostle and the high priest of our confession, Jesus Christ, um, Christ Jesus. Alright, and then I, I think I explained this to you, that what you see here is a classical example of the TSKS rule is the apostle, I already thought this last month anyways, is the apostle and high priest. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, in other words, his work as apostle and high priest are one and the same. And I'm going to explain how that is. The word apostle is from the Greek word apostolos, which means a messenger, or one that is sent, or a delegate. Are we together? And so, in Jesus' work as high priest, he actually went for us. Are we together, guys? In his work as high priest, he went into the holiest of all for us. So he stood in our stead. That's the work of an high priest. The work of an high priest is to stand in the stead of those people who he's offering sacrifices for. Does that make sense, guys? 
Are we together? So in his high priestly office, we see his delegation as an apostle. Now the apostle here would not refer to apostle as the fourfolds of ministry gifts. Are we together? Apostle here would refer to a delegate. I hope you realize that the word apostolos is not a spiritual word. It's a Greek word. Are we together? The context determines what it is. Just like the word pastor, poemen, means shepherd. Are we together? So, in fact, you'll find out that in, 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 in the epistles, you only find the word poemen used for pastors once. Every other time it was used for shepherd. Are we together? So those words are not spiritual words. They are Greek words. Are we together? Then our context determines the usage. So in this context, when he calls him an apostle, don't see the apostle in terms of um, fivefold ministry or ministry gifts. See it in terms of he is sent as a delegate. Does that make sense, guys? Are we together? So the fact that he is our high priest is what makes him our apostle. And he is the apostle of our profession. The word profession there is also the word that means confession. It's the Greek word homologio. Hallelujah. And I think I, I've explained that word, what it means. It means to say something twice. Are we together? To say it in your heart and then to speak forth that which you said in your heart out. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. I think I've said this before that in basically the next Caruso monthly meeting we have after this, which will be next month or even next month because we have Caruso Bible Conference. But the next Caruso monthly meeting we have, I'll be teaching on the supernaturalness of speaking. Are we together? I'm, I'm going to do a little talk around confession. Alright, but just have to say that, by the way. Get your hearts ready. So he says, so he says, consider the apostle and the high priest of our profession. Now, so what he's telling us to do now is he's about to talk about Jesus to us. Are we together? So he says, put him in front of you. Are we together? We're about to analyze him. I think the word consider there. What was the word I called it? I don't know if you guys remember last month. Consider. It's the Greek word. Uh let me see. Anybody? Consider. You have lost my Greek word. Okay, I, okay, I don't think I gave you guys. Okay, I gave you guys now. What's it? You don't know. You don't remember. Why shaking leg? <laughs> I asked you for Greek word. You're shaking leg. What's shaking leg for? All right. It's the Greek word katanoeo. Katanoeo. It means to perceive, to observe fully. You're asking me for the spelling. You don't need it. If you want to check the spelling, go and check your Greek concordance. You don't need it. Alright? So, it's so, now what we see is that he's talking to us about Jesus. Now, verse 2, he says, who was faithful to him that appointed him? So now, we begin our study. We stopped in Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 1 before, so now we continue. He says, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as Moses also was faithful in all his house. So now, we need to begin to do our study. We need to begin to pay attention one or the other. God is telling you something. That's an iPhone 11 Pro. It's coming next. You know, so... <laughs> He says, who was faithful, pay attention, to him, so he's talking about Jesus. He says, Jesus was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. Question. Was Moses faithful in Jesus' house, or was Moses faithful in his own house? Look at it. Who was faithful to him that appointed him, as Moses also was faithful in all his house? Or was he faithful in God's house? Because now, there are three people that I introduce here. Why? He says, who was... So, we're talking about Christ Jesus. He says, who was faithful to him that appointed him? Of course, it was God that appointed Christ Jesus as an high priest. Are we together? So, who was faithful to God that appointed him, to God that appointed Jesus, as Moses was also faithful in all his house? Who is the he's there? Jesus, God, or Moses? Ah, 
It's not for you guys who. <laughs> How is it God? <laughs> you said? Oh, your Bible. What, what version is that? Eh? NIV. What if I prove to you that it's not God's house? No, no, no. I mean, what if I prove to you that it's not God's house? Read Hebrews 3 from verse 2. Read it down to verse 5. Go on. No, no. The NIV guys, I mean, read it out. I want to hear you. Okay. All right. Just itself. It has it has never room. For every house is built by someone. But God is the builder of what everything. Okay. That's it. All right. In all of God's house. Okay. Okay. Let's just stop there in verse five. Now let's just let's do our own study. Now NIV and ESV have said their own. Me, me, I've not yet told you whose house it is. All right. So let's do our study. So it says, this man Jesus was counted worthy of more glory than Moses. So we, we first thing we cannot say in verse two. We don't know who he was talking about when he says Moses was faithful in all his house. We don't know who the his is. He has been never he said the his is God, but me I don't. Anyways, so <laughs> verse three he says, "For this man, which man? Which man? Are you scared? Say it now, Jesus. I like you saying this man. You know now the number have changed that into something else now. Any smart thing, smart. I think it's a good way to. Don't worry, I know what to do next. Any this man I see on Twitter, those <laughs> put Hebrews three. <laughs> Verse 3. So it says, For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses. So it says, Jesus was counted of more glory than Moses. Inasmuch as he who has built the house has more honor than the house. So what he is invariably saying here is that this man, Jesus, would have built the house and Moses would have been a part of the house. Does that make sense, guys? Are we together? Because it says, inasmuch as he who has built the house has more honor than the house. So, the, the man, Jesus, has more glory than Moses, just as the person who builds the house has more honor than who? The house. So, Moses would have been a part of the house, but this man, Jesus, would have been a what? A builder of the house. Does that make sense, guys? We are not done. He now says, for every house is built by some man, but he that builds all things is God. This is where there's problem. Because you just told us that Moses was a, a member of the house and Jesus was the builder of the house. Are we together, guys? But now you're now telling us again that every house is built by some man, but he that builds all things is God. What are you saying? This would be for him to say, for every house is built by some man. What he's invariably saying is that there is more than one house. Amen. Are we together? Don't be scared. Look into your Bible. Look into your Bible. We're going to reason this together. You know, I made a tweet. 
today. I don't know those people that saw it. I said, Bible interpretation is not hard. Now you want accurate. <laughs> it's you that is looking for accuracy up and down. If you would just go there and just do, you know, just do one or two, just bring out like three verses, you know, <laughs> all those verses that nobody has seen before. You go to the to the book of Isaiah, all those Isaiah like Isaiah thirty something verse three. Just bring out one or two terrible scriptures, you know. By the time you quote it, people are shaking, you know. That's but <laughs> now you want to do accuracy with scripture, so this is what you have to sit down with. So he says. For every house is builded by some man, but he that builds all things is God. So what verse 4 would mean is that we actually have more than one house. Are we together? Because it says for every house is builded by some man. Does that make sense, guys? I need you guys to answer me. Does that make sense? Are we together? So in other words, in our understanding of this place, we shouldn't just see one house. We should be seeing more than one house. Are we together? But in our says, he that builds all things is God. So, let's begin. Now, Enoch goes to verse 5. Let's continue. And Moses was very was faithful in all his house as a servant, as a testimony of those things which are to be spoken after. But Christ as a son over his own house. So, one thing is clear. Christ has his own house. Are we together? Are we together? And from verse 4, now, forget what you have, we could have read from verse 3. We are going to come back there. For, but from verse 4, we see that every house is built by some man. Meaning, every house has its own person that built it. Are we together? Does that make sense? But he that builds all things is who? Is God. Does that make sense, guys? He now tells us, you know, as he is saying that, he now continues to say, Moses verily was faithful in all his house. And then he now says, even as Christ was also faithful in his own house. Now, based on that progression, in verse 5, when he says, Moses verily was faithful in all his house, would it have been Moses' house or God's house? Answer, Moses' house or God's house? Moses' house. Let me come again. In verse 4, verse 4, he says, for every house is built by some man. Meaning every house is built by somebody. Are we together? Are we together? He says, but he that builds all things is what? Is what? So he already establishes and says, see, when you see a house, no a man builds it. But then, at the end of the day, all of the houses together are built by who? God. Now, from our understanding so far of the houses, right? The builders of those houses. So now, let me just give some context. So what house is the big one in kill? In kill? Is the root word from where you have to here? Do you understand me? Yes. So when you see Wikia, don't just quickly jump to say Wikia. Anyway, you see it. 
telling you salvation. No. The context determines the usage of the word. Does that make sense? Just like the word um, so, um, salvation, soteria. Soteria is not, I hope you know soteria is not a spiritual word. Are we together? Soteria just means to save. Okay? It just means to save. But now, in the context, not determined where. In fact, even in the Bible, you see words, you see places where save was used and it wasn't salvation. Are we together? Do you understand me? So, um, it's not a spiritual word, it's a Greek word. The usage not determines the context. Does that make sense, guys? Right, very good. And that's why I always tell you guys that in Bible application, context takes precedence over Greek. I think I said that before to you guys now. Right? That when you study the first thing you pay attention to is context. I always get that. Then second is the Greek. I always get that. Then other things like reader relevance can now follow. Alright. Reader relevance, temporary relevance, etc. Let's talk about this is very expressive. Alright. Then um, what's next? Um for every other believer, some man, but he that do all things is good. So, still talking about house. Now, let's now, now let's do a bit of understanding of why he calls it somebody, somebody's house, somebody's house. And you understand that now, when you see purification, uh, what he's saying is that Moses would have also had a house. Are we together? Are we together? Do you understand me? Moses would have had a house, and based on what we see, Moses was faithful in his own house. Are we together? What does it mean to have a house? It just means that there would have been people. That were under the administration of Moses at the point in time. Just like, for example, when he says Christ also has his own house. Are we together? Meaning there is a time where Christ is Lord over his house. He has a house. He has a, more or less a family, a people, a lineage, a, um, 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 an assembly of people that are separate from himself. Are we together? A group of people that are under his administration. So when he says that Moses has his own house and he was faithful in his own house, it's because there are people too that are part of the house. Look at 1 Corinthians 10. First question is ten. First question is ten. First question is ten. I'll start from verse one. He says, "Moreover, brethren, I will not that you should be ignorant, how that all our fathers were under the cloud and passed through the sea." Look at what it says in verse two. He says, "And we're all baptized unto Moses in the waters and in the sea." So they were baptized. So just as in salvation. We have a baptism unto Christ or into Christ. We, we also see that there was a baptism of the fathers unto Moses. In other words, and I've told you guys before that what baptism just means identification. I always get that. It means to be fasting, it means to be identified with someone. I always get that, guys. Do you understand me? So just as in Christ there's an identification as a function of the believing on the work of redemption that Jesus Christ has been available, there was also a baptism unto Moses, which would have been my words. By you being a part of the administration of Moses. Are we together? So if you found that Israelite who was doing the days of Moses was following the laws, was following the instructions of Moses, he had been baptized into Moses. Are we together? Does that make sense, guys? Because he was following the administration of Moses. And that's why he now explains it better. He says, they were baptized into Moses in the cause that you see. He says, they, they all ate the same spiritual meat. And they, they, they did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. He says, but with many of them, God was not pleased. And then, as you see my context, you realize that he was speaking about the Israelites that were Moses at that point in time. Are we together? So, even if, now pay attention, even if you still follow the law of Moses, but you were not with Moses when he was alive, you wouldn't have baptized into Moses. Does that make sense, guys? Are we together? Because there was a transition when Moses was the one in charge, and that was his house. Are we together? And so, what this would mean, now go back to Hebrews 3 now. Hebrews 3. So when he says every house is built by some man, there would have been many other houses. 
Because after Moses went, there was another prophet, there was Joshua. Are we together? So, just as Moses had his own house and he was faithful, Joshua would have had his own house and he was faithful. Are we together? Do you understand me? Yes. Um, um, who else again? Samuel would have had his own house and he was faithful. Are we together? Who was that? Elijah would have had his own house and he was faithful. Elijah would have had his own house and he was faithful. So on and so forth. Does that make sense, guys? Are we together? So, Hebrews, Hebrews, Hebrews. Alright, so he says that um, every house is built by some man, but he that builds all things is God. So, we've seen what that means. He says, for Moses very was faithful in all his house. So what that means, Moses was faithful in his house. Now don't forget, as we said before, that however, all of these houses all together are built by God. Are we together? And so that would make sense why the writer of Hebrews in verse 2 said, the man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, even as much as he who builds the house has more honor than the house. Do not forget that when we still speak about the Christ, at the end of the day, we speak about the expression of God's glory. Are we together? The perfect image of God's person. Are we together? So at the end of the day, what the what the writer of Hebrews really wants to do here, which is a very sinister move for me to say, is at the end of the day, even though Moses was faithful, he still wants to show you the Godship of the Christ over Moses. Are we together? So even though everybody has their own house separate, he now says, but all together as God's house, eh? Jesus' house or Christ's house or Christ himself has more glory than, than Moses. Because the person that builds the house, which is God, has more glory than, than Moses. Are we together? So you know what this is what he's just trying to say basically. If God who builds the house has more glory than Moses, and Christ is an expression of God, Christ has more glory than Moses. Do you understand my point? Are we together? Because also at the same time, too, based on our study on Hebrews 1, what we also realize is this the submission of all the houses in the Old Testament would have arrived at the house of God, would have arrived at the house of Christ. Are we together? Or the house of Jesus. Does that even make any sense? Again, the submission of all the houses, don't forget, God works hundred times and in diverse manners, in different times, in many portions. Are we together? So, the house of Moses, of course, is a type of shadow, but just one portion. Are we together? The house of Joshua, too, is a portion. Are we together? Do you understand that? Do you know, do you know what I mean by house? Yes. Do you, do you know what I mean by house? The house of Joshua is a portion. The house of uh, Malachi is a portion. The house of Zechariah is a portion. Why we now bring all those houses together with the Christ? Does that make sense, guys? Yes. Are we together? So, so not just is Christ one of the houses, actually, really is the submission of all the houses, is the finality of the houses. Are we together? Do you understand me? So if we're supposed to pack all the houses together and so on, Christ would have... So at the end of the day, if we're supposed to see one house, we'll see one final house which is Christ. Moses will be a part of that house. Zechariah will be a part of that house. Malachi will be a part of that house. But Christ will be the head of that house. Does that make sense, guys? Are we together? But then at the underlying, um, the underlying factor of all of the answers will be that God has always been the builder of all those houses together. Do you understand me? Yes. Are we together? Just as in the Old Testament, God has been speaking by the prophets to the fathers, in the last days he spoke in his son. So God has always been speaking. Does that make sense, guys? But in the old, he was speaking through the fathers. In the, in the ending, or at the end, he spoke in the Son. And the submission of everything that they said in the Father is still the Son. Does that make sense, guys? So, in the real sense of it, what we see in Hebrews 3 is kind of the same thing that we see in Hebrews 1, but it's just a different means of speaking. Does that make sense? Are we together? Amen? Amen. So, both of you have built out kind of things, what I just said to you. That's the truth. Even with the way I was going to very good. 
Alright, so um, let's continue. So we already explained, it says, but Christ has a son over his own house. Okay, let's do verse 5. And Moses barely was faithful in all his house as a servant. So it says, Moses was faithful in his house as a servant. Are we together? Are we together? He now says, for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. A testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. And you see, I made a particular commentary about that, particular, about that statement. Uh, okay. The word testimony there is the word material. Material. It's actually the word that means evidence of those So it's actually the word that means evidence. Alright? Not just testimony. Actually the word that means evidence. So it's actually Moses was faithful as an evidence of things that were to be spoken after. So it's not just a testimony as far speaking. It's actually a reflection of something that was supposed to be done. Are we together? Do you understand you guys? So what you see in the faithfulness of Moses is an evidence of a faithfulness that is to be spoken of after. Are we together? Is a display of the faithfulness that will still be spoken about. Amen? We have We actually have some stuff to So let me continue. So, what we see in Moses' faithfulness is a shadow depicting the faithfulness of another. Can you open it? Yes, please. So, what we see. Is a shadow depicting the faithfulness of another. Does that make sense? Yes. Sir. Are we together? Right. Uh, so, verse six. He says, "But Christ has a son over his own house." So the difference between Moses and so Moses was faithful in his house, but as a servant. Are we together? Christ in his house is a what? Son. Look at what he says. Whose house are we? If we hold fast the confidence and rejoicing of the whole family to the end. So it does yes. Brethren, say Brethren, mm-hmm. say, for Christ has a son of his own house. Whose house are we? If we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the whole family to the end. And I say, Brethren, will you hold us to the end? There are many, there are many who started, but they fell by the wayside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They did not fall by the wayside. Amen. Amen. I know it's amusing. Someone said something. So, what's the question? So, some people in the Bible so much, they can't let the Bible correct them. And it's amusing, and it's the truth. You see, for every time when you read a Bible verse, or you read a verse of the Bible, and you're not interested in finding out what that word actually means. And you just immediately decide what the word means. That's what you just do. You know the Bible so much, you can't let the Bible correct you. So, like, you know the Bible so much, this is what the Bible has to say. Do you know we do that every day? You just say, but just repeat. Ah, this is what it means. No, you know more than the Bible. So, you know, and when we try to tell you, you know, this is what it says, you say, no, what do you mean? That's the point. You know more than the Bible. So now you saw it, but you just said, this is what it has to it's like you open uh, this thing, you open a, let me look at this example, you open a textbook, for example, and then you see them talking about, um, um, you open a mathematics textbook, and probably they're talking about interest, compound interest, and then you now say, ah, compound interest, what are they talking about is that people are interested in buying compound interest. You say, ah, that's pretty much what we're doing. 
Are we together? That is not, is that not the way to have a context if you open a mouth every Because now, you've heard of compositions before in the past. You know what compositions Now, maybe in another term, it's not bad. Maybe compositions kind of make sense to me. Or maybe interests that we all have together. So in that brief, it's good. I have to go with a compositions. <laughs> <laughs> like, you get the theoretical ministry as a rule. So now because of that, you now see ah in the masters that's what we're talking about. You know the problem. Are we together? But that's what people do up Amen? Amen. Be, be, be humble in God. So people don't know that when you see people who are giving to other people, they're very humble. It's hard. It's not sweet. It's not. As of this afternoon, I was still before <laughs> As I said, I was still working up at night. Can you do this? What is this? What is this? I was working up at night. Open comfort, open this one. Not for me. I just go up and I'm going up and down. So that's why I treated that. That's why I treated that. Like I was tired. I don't know. So me, I just down everything. Rule. I just say one thing. I don't do this. Do you get? So it's hard work, but that's humility. It's humility to say, see, I I can read it. I can see what it is saying. No, at least I can see the words, but I don't understand the words. Do you know it's humility to say that? It's humility to say these words, I actually don't understand what they are saying. I need to find out what is actually saying. Which one do you think is easier? I cannot speak out the words and not say something and go and go scot free. Amen? Are you going to be blessed? Because Christians are always blessed in every meeting. Now, whether I want to show up in the next meeting, I don't know. <laughs> but you were blessed. So, I mean, it's humility to say, I don't know what to say, I want to find out what is there. So, when he says, that if we hold fast to confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Now you need to, and this is the reason why you need to pay attention to what he has been saying so far. First of all, that you need to realize this book is written to, to Jews. That's the first thing. So every so your reflection or your understanding of this verse must always be a function of that relevance must be gained. How would the Jews see this? Are we together? So why? So yeah, now we are talking about Moses. We're talking about Christ. What would have been going on in the mind of the people? You would have been hearing Moses, faithfulness, the law. Are we together? Faithfulness in his house. Okay, the time when Moses was alive, his administration, law. Okay. Now we see the son. Now he also now tells you that in the faithfulness of Moses, we see an evidence of the faithfulness that is to be spoken about. Do you do you understand me? Do you get it? He now says, now pay attention, he now says, but Christ has a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope, fell unto the end. Now, this is where, the first question, first question I have to ask you, now this is where the problem is. The problem is that we will look at hope here based on how you've always seen hope. I want to get that. Now, of course, the word hope is a biblical definition. It means a confident expectation. Hallelujah. And then, oftentimes, when we hear hope, what we often talk Christ of, and what we often talk about as hope is what God will do in the resurrection of our bodies. Are we together? That's our own hope. Amen. Yes. Hallelujah. That's what we are looking forward to. But the question you have to ask yourself is, what is the hope for a Jew? Look at um, Acts chapter twenty. Acts twenty. Coming, sorry. Acts twenty-six, from verse six to seven. Acts 26, 6-7. Acts 26, 6-7. Acts 26, 6-7. Are you there? Are you there? Yes, sir. Are you there? 
Alright, I need somebody to read. Acts 26, 67. Miriam. Now I stand uh-huh. and I'm judged for the what? Hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers. Wait, for the hope of the promise pay, pay attention. made of God unto our fathers. Continue. Unto which promise our church Christ, instantly serving God day and night, mm-hmm. good to come. For which sake, for which hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused of hope. Thank you. Thank you very much. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. So, Paul was speaking, now let me give you context about this. This was Paul in front of Agrippa. Hallelujah. So, Paul in front of Agrippa, you know, people had basically thought he was um, going through persecution because of the gospel. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Because of salvation. And so, what he's saying, and you realize that in every of Paul's sound, what Paul was always doing was that he would do a proper, extensive explanation of the Old Testament. Are we together? Then, you, and what he was trying to use that to do was to say that what I am preaching is no different from what they are preaching. Are we together? It's the same scriptures that they are using that. Are we together? It's just that I am speaking in that that hope or that promise that they were looking forward to has been finalized. Are we together? Has come to pass in Christ. Do you understand my point? So when he says that it is in that hope I'm being called to question here, the hope, so the hope. That the Jews would have. I hope you realize that today, even say today, in Judaism, they still believe a savior is coming. I wish that. Like they still are waiting for a Messiah. That's the whole idea of coming Judaism is predicated upon. They are still waiting for a Messiah. So they have. So a Jew has a hope, which that hope leads to salvation. Are we together? Because that is what in the laws and in the words of the prophecy they would have been looking forward to. Does that make sense, guys? So, hope differs based on context. I think one of the things that we see consistently in our study of this book of Hebrews is that you shouldn't be used to just speaking words and just implying a meaning to it. You have to realize the context for it to make sense to you. Are we together? So, the way you see hope to a believer is not the way a Jew would see hope. The hope of a Jew, are we together? First and foremost, would be the work of salvation. What the Messiah would come to. Are we together? Now, when the person now becomes, when the Jew now becomes saved, of course, once you are saved, there's no Jew and Gentile anymore. Then the hope in salvation is now the return of our body. Does that make sense? Are we together? So the, your state determines what hope means to you. If you are still a non-believing Jew, or if you are a Jew, hope is the work of salvation. But the moment you become saved, hope now becomes what? The redemption of our body. Does that make sense, guys? Are we together? So when he says, if we, so now the way you should also look at this verse is that whoever is practicing the laws, in a sense, would have been under the administration of Moses. Does that make sense, guys? So in a sense, the person would have been a member of the house of Moses. Does that make sense? Are we together? So now we can see that he's already talked about Moses or the faithfulness of Moses. He now says, if we hold fast the confidence of our hope, are we together? If we hold fast the confidence and rejoicing of the hope. Now the word end there, the word end is the Greek word telio, telos. End is the word telos. It actually doesn't mean end as far like the end of something. It means aim or purpose. Aim or purpose. So when it says hold the confidence and rejoicing of the hope firm unto its aim. Like, this is the end of it. Well, you know, end doesn't, you know when you say that, um, uh, to this end. To this end, won't always mean like, 
you finish it. To these enemies, this is the reason. Do you understand my point? Are we together? So, when you say the confidence of um, the old party confidence and rejoicing of hope fell onto its end, its end means its purpose. Are we together? So, the reason for which we had the laws, the prophecies of the old of the old testament, you know, all those things all sum up to Christ. Are we together? Does that make sense, guys? So that is the purpose of it. Amen. Matthew chapter five, verse seventeen. You know, Matthew chapter five, verse seventeen. Jesus speaking. Jesus says that I have not come to abolish the Lord, but to destroy the Lord, but to fulfill the Lord. And I've heard people say funny things about Jesus. So in other words, that does mean that even if Jesus practices the Lord, yeah, even Jesus practices the Lord, so that shows you that the Lord, you know, is not just only with the Lord. It doesn't even make any sense. It doesn't make any sense because this same Jesus was the same Jesus that was saying that you are better than he said, and I for now am so good. This I say unto you. Jesus was one of the biggest blasphemers of the world. Like, to be honest, Jesus, it doesn't take you um, deep Bible study to find out. He was one of the biggest blasphemers of the world. So when he says, I come to fulfill the law, the word fulfill there is also the word that also means the news. That means to bring a finality to the law. In other words, like, I come to accomplish that which the law is supposed to be. It's supposed to be. Are we together? I'm going I'm to give a fulfillment, let me say that with the law. Are we together? And that's why Romans chapter 10 and response says that Christ is the end of the law unto salvation. So, the finality of salvation, the, the point where we, the finality of the laws, or the completion of the laws, or the fulfillment of the laws, is salvation. Are we together? Glory to Jesus. So, the laws are to lead the man unto salvation. By practicing the laws, there's just a point where you say, ah, you know what, I can't use it Amen. You see, your, you see a possibility in yourself to practice it. Then you see how that all the while God has been meeting at salvation through those words of the law. Does that make sense, guys? Yes. Are we together? Exactly. So just to make sense of what we say so far. So when he says, uh, Christ has a son over his own house, whose house are we? If we hold fast the confidence and rejection of the whole family to the end. In other words, if we hold fast. Now, don't forget, these are Jews who would have been under the ambition of Moses. Who would have been under the ambition of the law. Are we together? In a, their hope would have been what salvation. So if we hold fast that confidence of that hope, firm until its completion. Do you understand me? So such that uh, we hold on to this hope till the point where the hope is fulfilled. And when is the hope fulfilled? When the hope of salvation. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. Are we together? Yes, sir. Amen. Amen. All right. So verse seven, he says, "Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost said, today you will hear His voice." Adding not your heart as in the day of purification, in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me. Well, that's a quotation. That's a quotation from uh, Psalms 95, from verse 7 to 11. Psalms 95, 7 to 11. It doesn't look true. It says, no, you don't need to go there. Just write it down. It says, adding not your heart as in the day of purification, in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me. He has proved me and saw my works 40 years. Jesus, whereof I was grieved with that generation, and they said, and said, they do always err in their hearts, and they have not known my ways. He says, So I swear in my heart, they shall never enter into my rest. Hallelujah. And what you see is a vision from Psalms 95, 7 to 11, which really is uh, 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 is speaking about the experience of the Jews. You know, I think Numbers 13 and Numbers 14. So let me just give you a little backstory to you. So, I mean, this was when the children of Israel were just about to enter into Canaan. They had spies. So, you guys have read the story. So, spies. And Israel and Caleb were part of them. And then they sent them to that check of the place, you know, to see because, you know, how you know, nice this was. And if they were led to 
check it. You know the funny thing about that place is this is that Moses didn't want them to go initially. Moses had that Moses knew the kind of thing he was dealing If you read that story well, it was actually the idea of the elders to send spies to go and check it. Moses never wanted them to go. Because Moses knows the kind of people that you know when you know the people you are living. You know, let's just go and face these people and do what we have to do. He said, no, let's send spies. And then the same spies, out of the twelve spies they sent, ten of them did not have the Holy Ghost. <laughs> ten of them came back and said, with some men, you know, it's so interesting. The one that killed me the most, he says, we're like grass in their eyes. How do you know how people are seeing you? You know, have you ever met people like that? So insecure. They will tell you, you know, they say, they know the way you used to look at them. How? Like, I don't even know. I don't even know I look at them. You know, they say, they know the, the kind of vibe. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, 
They didn't get to read, they didn't get to read, and they're supposed to be dying. But then, what you see there, and so the writer of the book of Hebrews now uses that, his explanation. And so, in his explanation, he says that when your father said to me and saw my work 40 years, he says, Well, if I was with that generation, they do always err in their hearts, and they have not done my ways. He says, So I swear in my, I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Are we together? Now, look at what it says in verse 12. He now says, Take it, brethren. Lest there be in any of you an evil lack of words. In doing what? Hallelujah. So, the problem with the Jews wasn't necessarily their disobedience. Their disobedience was the function of something. I wish that. Because God expected, and because you see that, when, when, um, God was speaking in the children. You find out, you know, it was shocking. This is the same God that saved you from the hand of the Israelites. Are we together? So you through the Red Sea. You've been having manna from heaven. You've had fish literally fall from the sky. Are we together? You've had water come out of the rock. Yet, you don't believe that it can make you conquer the Canaanites. And this is the problem. Again, this is the problem. So, the problem with them really wasn't just disobedience that we don't want to go. Because at the end of the day, if it was about disobedience, they were going to go. Change that. The second time that they decided that they were going to go, that they would have won. The issue was unbelief. Are we together? Do you understand me? It was an inner thing. And this, this, this is why I always say this thing to people that don't, as, as, as a Bible teacher, there's one thing that comes to learn. Most of the time, people's behavior is the same thing. It's not the problem. For example, when I see, when I see, for example, a baby who Keep making wrong relationship choices. No, I'm not coming. When I say people who keep making who keeps making wrong relationship choices, I don't necessarily come at her and say that. Um, now, is it very is it very if she just made a wrong relationship choice one time? It could be something else. I don't know. But when I say consistently, my work at that point in time is not to just say you are missing the wrong relationship. I want to understand why. Are you with me? There's sometimes an underlying thing. Sometimes it's that issue. Sometimes you just have bad people around you. Sometimes it's kind of a place to be there. So I mean, you, you, you want to be good boys in the club. They came for what they wanted to do. So you, you want to, so other times it's just you've not renewed your mind. And because you've not renewed your mind, you are looking, you are looking for the wrong things in people. Are we together? So some other times it's just because you are looking, she's looking for someone that will complete her. She has lost that she's complete in Christ. Amen. As little as that thing is, it's serious. I was together. Yes, yeah, looking for someone that will complete you. I can't do without you. There's a problem. There's a problem. If I want to advise you, if you hear someone tell you I can't do without you, run away. Oh God. This is the first time ever in any of our business that you complete my sentence. First time ever. See how you just started wrong. You know what? It reminds me of that, you know, that man of God. I don't know if you've seen him. He says, Ah, you know You don't know what I'm talking about. Anyway, the man of God fell out. He fell out. So, let's, let's, let's go on. Okay, what was I talking about? Okay, I'll try to explain how that. So, when I see behavior of people, it's, it's, it's a symptom. So, I don't address it. I will get that. I tend to align factors. Amen? Most of the time, the issue is always understanding of God's word. That's always the issue 
time to issue. So I, 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 I now give you a regimen for a dose of the word. I always get that. I put you on a plan, the new plan of the word. Now, that corrects that ideology, and then it needs to change how you give it. Do you understand? I always get that. I'm trying to teach you how to walk in you get it. So, when, when you meet, when you find a guy, for example, who maybe is not coming from this consistently, don't waste your time. Don't waste your time giving them people news and regulation. I'll be saying by this time. You just kill them. For someone to be like that, the problem with him is that he doesn't understand the importance of a Christian gathering. Do you understand? If I can make him esteem a Christian gathering, he's going to start coming in. Did you get me? He's not really like, no, we are losing I'm very, when he comes to work, he's like, you know, as long as you probably have seen it, you say, how come we don't see anything? It's just a matter of time. Do you get it? Just a matter of time. Just wait. Because, and this is also the issue. If I correct without giving an understanding of what the issue is, what you would have, there's, it, there will be no difference from the Old Testament guys who were just following the dictates of the law, but nothing in them had changed. Are we together? Do you understand me? Do you understand that in the new creation, what God first did was to change our hearts? God didn't say, ah, you are the spirit. Do still. That's actually what they did in the Old Testament. Are you with me? What God did now was, He gave us a new heart, a new spirit. And because of that, we can now walk according to the statute. Does that make sense, right? Yes, sir. Exactly. So that's how this analysis happens. We see it so what is going on. Slap. 
I was not doing Islam because he said I was teaching one thing for another thing. And I'm not, I'm never joking, on this campus. That was already in my life. Let's just talk to you, man. It's funny, but it's not funny. It's funny, but it's not funny. And I'm not joking. This guy was saying he's funny. I'm saying my friend, my friend. Not joking. And to him, that was fighting the good side of it. And of course, it's in the church. Most likely, where was that? It's not like it was a very popular member of the church. So most likely, that was their senior. I want you to meet people who are teaching in this. Yes, I want you to beat them Amen. That guy was, you need to have to say it. It's not funny. Why is it not funny? It was in one SBS. We were about to mark LBS student scripts. It was that time when they were doing it, when they used to do interviews. You know LBS interviews? Yes. Exactly. So I think, was it the first time I was just called a second? I can't remember. But I can't remember that. So I was going, so that's lonely, mediocre um, past now. The guy carries bamboo, that big bamboo. Thank God the guy from BSA. Funny that I didn't really care, just found. That guy looks like an angel, because he knows. That mess your weak code in the answer. This is your love for you. Remember that? <laughs> that was the first time ever in my life that when he's sitting about me, he knows the thoughts. That day, when I got to, <laughs> I got to him, one day on that, who is called? I sat down like he could. I was just like, I was just staring. <laughs> that thing was so funny. Like, I can see my wife very clearly. I just sat down and I was just staring into space. Even when I looked like, sat down. I was not thinking, say this gospel that I my mommy did not say this gospel. And what it was, how did this guy say it? He said that he used to say it come and preach the gospel and go like You know the funniest thing, he has never heard me preach before, but he has just seen me around people preach that once in prayer. Do you understand? So he just believes I'm one of them. But then he knows I go to a full house to come and So he said that he looked for this to catch me. Catch me. Amen. The next Saturday, I went to Angola. Amen. Amen. Look at Of course, they scare you, but they just make you feel so much. You will do your work. <laughs> that thing that you want to do, you are going to do it. So, yeah, that's what I want to do. Amen. I was going to say more to some of you. If you just have to come, you shouldn't. <laughs> if you just have to come, I can mean, if this cup can pass over me, let it pass again and again and again. Let it pass. Alright, <laughs> so, so I said, at least they mean. I'm trying to explain. Okay, what I was trying to use that to say is that you can be fighting against God and you won't know. Amen? Hallelujah. Imagine that guy that hits my head and I died. They don't have a charismatic ministry. Hallelujah. You could have got healed in the ministry. Probably I have not been healed. God have got healed. Maybe they would have been healed some other way by the grace of God. But you might not have gotten healed. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And all of that would have stood not because the man was fighting in his mind for God. But yet he was against God. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Always Jesus. I, I want to be led by you. I want to be led. Amen. Be led. You, God see. The, the earlier you learn is the better. God doesn't need your permission to use the man. Hallelujah. And this is very needed for we that for what fools. Amen. Even in several ways, you don't necessarily teach the world. Be humble enough to agree that God is what you Hallelujah. Don't lie. Amen. Don't lie. Who is working for them? Amen. A, there may be a lot of things they are not getting right, but they are getting some things right. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. And I, I, I think I've said this to you guys before. The only person's opinion that is needed when God calls a man is God. God doesn't need a man's opinion. So, how much more your, your own opinion? I mean, God was speaking to Jeremiah, and God said that before you were born, I've already chosen your prophet's nation. Even Jeremiah said, Ah, God. Jeremiah, 
that God called him. He himself, he did not believe in the cause. But God has called him. That's really let you know when it comes to God's call over a man's life. Even the man's opinion doesn't matter. God has called him, God has called him. Now, the opinion can determine whether or not the man will be involved in the work. I will get that. Whether or not he will do the work. But when God has called the man, eh, it's only his opinion that matters. I will get that. So be humble enough to know that if God has called this man, there's nothing else. Amen? Yeah. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. I said, God's both ways too. When God has called you, just do what you have to do. Amen. Opposition cannot change anything. Opposition can affect you as well to stop how well you do the work. Do you understand me? Do you get me? But opposition can never affect God's involvement in the work. When you know that, you know that anything that slows down the work is you. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Do you understand me? If the work ever slows down, it's not because of God, it's you. If opposition slows down the work, it's because opposition affected it. It didn't affect God. Amen? Amen. I just I said some very important content. Glory to Jesus. Yeah. The only person who ever believed, ever believed in a work, if the work doesn't go and shoot, is the man. Hallelujah. It's never God. God is invested as he was in the beginning. He has called you, he has called you. He's ready to work with you. Amen. If it ever slows down because of opposition, you allow the opposition to slow down. Amen. Hallelujah. And let's be stop. Don't stay. Let the opposition keep going. Hallelujah. Keep going. Your eyes are open. Keep going. Amen. Okay, let's continue. Alright. He says in verse 13, he says, But exhort one another daily. Alright? Why is this called today? Let any of you be adding to the deceitfulness of sin. Now, by context, how can a man be adding to the deceitfulness of sin? What's that? Eh? Thank you. Very good. So let's continue. He says, For we are made partakers of Christ. If we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. Can you see the similarity between verse 14 and verse 6? Whose house are we? If we hold fast the confidence and the direction of the whole family to the end. Can you see it? So he now says in verse um, 14. Now, we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence set us unto the end. But look at what it says in verse. So, 13 and 14 are together. But exhaust one another daily which is called to be. Lest any of you be added to deceitfulness of sin. Sorry. He now says, For we are partakers of Christ if we hold. So, the way you will be, if you are hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, you won't be made a partaker of Christ. Does that make sense? Are we together? For you to be a partaker of Christ, it means you are not added by the sinfulness of sin. Are we together? And so, how will you? So, and we already established that for you to not be hardened, or for you to be hardened by the sinfulness of sin, it means you are what? You are not me. Are we together? Yes, Does that make sense? So, in other words, the way you can hold the beginning of the confidence steadfast to the end is that you are not in unbelief. Does that make sense? Yes. Are we together? Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Thank you very much. So it says, why is it said today? If you will hear his voice, add not your heart as in the day of provocation. Say the same thing. Add not your heart as in the day of provocation. He says, For some, when they had heard, did provoke. How be it not all of them that came out of Egypt by Moses? So, when was the day of provocation? Simple. It's the point in time when they heard the gospel, or better still, the point when they heard information about the land of Canaan, and some of them believed that they couldn't do it. Are we together? Are we together? That point, or that day, or that period was the day of provocation. I will tell you that. Provocation in that sense simply just means that was the day when the unbelief spoke 
Amen. Amen. I hope you realize that all belief did not end. I hope you realize that all belief did not just all of a sudden happen. They, are, they, are, they were not believed before. That was the reason Moses didn't want them to send spies. Moses knew the kind of people he was living. But the unbelief became apparent the moment the spies went to check the land and came back with you. Do you understand? Are we together? So the unbelief had been there. So, that's the, so the job provocation is just the moment when the unbelief became apparent. Are we together? Does that make sense? Alright, let's go. So it says, uh, okay, for so when they had heard this provoke, how did it not fall that came out of Egypt by Moses? He says, but with whom was he grieved 40 years? Was this not with them that had sinned? Whose carcasses, oh, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? Alright, he says, and to whom swear he that they should not enter his rest, but to them that believe not? See, so we see that they could not enter in because of what? Oh, belief. Hallelujah. So what it lets you know. So it makes you it makes it clear to you. It's not like the Israelites did not enter. Of course, the Israelites still enter. But the people that did not enter were those whose hearts were not Hallelujah. And I think I used to explain when the Bible says that um, um, uh, uh, the Lord, the Lord, merciful and gracious, that He says He would, he would not clear the duty. This is in the iniquity of the fathers, also the world, also the world, and the world. And the But the most important thing really is that what that shows you is that that verse is not entirely true. If the visiting of the iniquity of the fathers is the way we know, the way we expect visiting the iniquity, like you take it out of the children, those people will not have entered. We now have entered the promised land. Are we together? But for the fact that the father sinned, are we together? And then only the father suffered and the children entered. Already notifies the idea that the sins of the father are taken out of the children. Do you understand? Yes. And because also in the book of Luke for the city of now, he says, Let's not that proven be said anymore in Israel that the father's head so grieves and the children's teeth are the age. Are we together? Do you understand? If the man sins, it is that man that paid the consequences. Are we together? And that's why the study began development of sorry. The study had development of knowledge through scripture. So things that became clearer as time went on. Amen? So that's the previous so if that's all the previous three, thank God. Previous four. Actually my plan for today was to finish Hebrews three and Hebrews four. So let's see, let's see that first. Hebrews four. Um, it says, Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left of us. Entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short. From our context so far, how can a man come short of entering into the rest? People are making me feel good. Let's continue. People are doing like this. <laughs> he says, For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. So when he says, Unto so us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. By context, the them here and the Israelites. Do you realize? So, in other words, the right of God is trying to say that the gospel was preached. Gospel was preached in Israel. This answers to an extent the question of how much of the gospel does the person get to know? I'll tell you what's better. I said next day. Next day. I'll tell you what's next day. Next day, I'll tell you what's next How much of the gospel does the person get to hear to be saved? Uh, hallelujah. We'll do some exploration of that. So, he says, Also, us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. For the word preached did not profit them, 
not being mixed with faith in them that Do you realize? I don't think people also remember that. I just want to say this I'm not the kind of fantastic thing I was just making. Do you realize that before God called Abraham, he was an idol worshiper? Do you know? Oh, you don't know? Yes. It was, have you checked? Maybe you checked it. He was in the land of all. His father was an idol worshiper. He was an idol worshiper himself. Are we together? Do you understand? So, that lets you see when the writer of when Paul was speaking in Romans, and then he said that even people who people the Gentiles are without excuse, because from the natural things of the world, the invisible things about God are manifested. Abraham is a witness that how did Abraham know that God spoke to him? A man who had been an idol worshiper his life. Who taught him the principles of hearing from God? Amen? Amen. Okay, well, the silence in the air. Let me move. <laughs> so that's just to make you see how that gender, even Gentiles don't have an excuse. Hallelujah. Are we together? Gentiles don't have an excuse. Okay? Gentiles, even from their worship, can know that they be God. Are we together? Do you understand? So, yeah, let's just let's move on. Uh, so, also, also, God's will as well as also them. But what prince is not profit them, not even the faith in them that are It says, For we which have believed do enter into rest. Say, I've entered into rest. I've entered into rest. Hallelujah. That one I just said now. I've heard very funny statement about entering into rest. Ah, I'm going to please come and be coming. Amen. Come and be coming. So it says, for we which have been used to enter into rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. He says, for he speaking in a certain place on the seventh day of his wife, and God did rest the seventh day from all of his works. I will get that. And that's and I think that's Genesis chapter 2, and I think verse 7. Genesis chapter 7, where talk about God entering into rest. And I don't know if any of you have ever been going that before. That God, after walking, first. Let me leave that was it. And she was shown by Saturday, told you that everything had done. I said, Wow, tomorrow is Sunday. I've got I've got I've got a rest. <laughs> and I had to be very, very shaky. I don't want to call him dumb. Very weird comedian. Speak about it. He said, he said people think God doesn't make mistakes. How do you think anybody creates things and then at some point they stop and they want to rest? And say, well, that's why you don't slap them. If you know, you know. <laughs> oh, God. Go back to Anyway. Name of the Lord is like a rock. Anyway, um, so, for he's speaking in a certain place on the seventh day of the wise. And God did rest. But basically, what I want to say is, when you see the Bible says God rested on the seventh day, you should really know it doesn't sound normal. Are we together? Amen? It doesn't sound normal. Hallelujah. The Bible says in the Psalms chapter 121. Psalms 121. It says that he that keepeth Israel, that has slumbered the sea. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. My own Savior, God, that was over my life. I'm not tired of that rest. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. God forbid. Amen. I mean, even like village people don't rest. 
Are we together? With the spirit comes speed. Amen. Are we together? Now, in this case, also, like, and that thing also, that like, you also need to understand that this thing does have context of usage. It's just language. Amen. Hallelujah. It's just language. When he says the word did not mix with faith in the hearts of them that are he just simply means that it's not with the hearts we see. There's no special. Amen. It's just like the way the writer of Hebrews, the way he uses hope, the of the way Paul uses hope, the rest of his writings. Are we together? Do you understand? So it's just context of usage. Amen? Do you understand? So there's no special thing about it. But I don't know how you have thought that, but we were scared to see. Are we? So he says that. Um, so we see in verse two that the reason that the the, the, the problem they are not entering into the rest was that the gospel already preached unto them, but it did not mix with faith in their heart. Are we together? Are we together? So he now says that. Um, but they were they were believed enter into the rest, basically, and it lets you know. It now lets you see from scriptures in the Old Testament. Scriptures that foreshadowed the rest. Are we together? God saying that um, God resting on the seventh day, right? Now in verse 6 it says, Seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter there, and they to whom it was first preached entered not because of unbelief. So it means that there are still some that must enter into rest, and the people who it was first preached to did not enter because of unbelief. Now verse 7 now says something very important. Again, it limited a certain day, saying in David, saying in David. That saying in David there is a very important thing. He wants you to pay attention to when it was said. Amen. Saying in David means it was written in the Psalms. Pay attention that saying in David, written in the Psalms, means this was long after they had entered into Canaan. Are we together? Are we together? Does that make sense? So he says, saying in David, today, after so a long time, as it is said, if you will hear his voice, adding not your heart. So just let you see that even after they had entered Canaan, still in the book of Psalms, it is still quoted that if you will not add in your heart today, are we together? You will enter into rest. He's trying to let you he's trying to show you something. That if that rest had been entered in Canaan, there would have been a reason for them to have quoted it again. Or for it to have been quoted again in the Psalms. Are we together? Do you understand? So in other words, for the rest who have been spoken about again in sound, it means that they did not enter that rest in Canaan. Are we together? Do you understand? Yes. Does that make sense? Alright, so let's continue. And that's what he now says in the next verse. He now says, For if Jesus had given them the rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day? This, what we have here is the major, major, major translation of who has the NIV or even the NKJV? It's just not there. Thank you. In the KJV is Jesus. So here's the problem. The issue is that Jesus and Joshua are from the same Hebrew origin. I I also Jesus. Yeah, you move They are from the same Hebrew origin, correct? Um actually it's not even what Yeshua. Yeshua is also from that same Hebrew origin, correct? Alright? And it just means savior. Amen. Are we together? And so what he was saying here was that if Joshua had brought them to the rest, then they would not have need been a for another rest to be spoken about. Are we together? And why did Joshua take them to Canaan? Are we together? So just say if they had really entered the rest, which was Canaan, there would have been a need for another rest to be spoken about. Do you get me? So what we have to do here is to establish again to you a greater rest than the one that he had in Canaan by Joshua. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Alright. So he says, uh, there remained therefore a rest to the people of God. 
they eliminate the rest. That's just that's the point they're trying to make. And aside Canaan, there is actually a rest for the people that are born. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay. So he says in verse 10, for he that is for he that is entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his works as God did from his so he now he's, he's trying to you know, give us some explanation about this rest. He says, Who, whoever has entered into this rest has ceased from his works. Hallelujah. Has ceased from his works, even as God did this. Of course, God ceased from his works. I've told you guys, was a typography. Is it typography? A typology, sorry. Typography is. Sorry. It's a typology. It's just to explain something that was going to happen. I will get that. I've shown you how that God, was, God can't have gotten tired. Amen. But it was just an allegory into something. Right? That just as God sees from his works, whoever enters into rest will also cease from his works. Does that make sense? Right? Alright, very good. So he says, uh, then level now gives us a dilemma. Let us therefore, let us labor therefore to enter into that rest. Let any man fall after the same example of unbelief. So I remember that time in school they used to talk about this thing. You say, you say, what's now with you? You first say, okay, I think I was going to make a joke about it. I said, people first told us that when you rest, you know Then they did. You say, what should we do? Which one do you want? Should we do more? And we should rest. Then they told us we're not going to have to rest everything. That's what we should do more in rest. Have a nap! You say, you say, you know, we labor in rest, labor from rest, labor through rest. Are we laboring or are we resting? Amen. So then, when you pay attention to what you mean, he says, Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest. Let any man follow. So pay attention. You are laboring to enter the rest. Amen. Now, we've not cleared, we've not cleared out what the labor is yet. But notice that I did not say, labor, Let us labor while we are in the rest. You know what it says? Amen. He says, let us labor therefore to do what? Enter into that rest. Let any man fall after the same example of what? Oh, we all say disobedience. True of everything. What's the question? Unbelief. Thank you. That's a good Bible. What about that? Yes. Yes. Can you see? He's saying that we are saying God's house. Is it not God's house? Yes. God's house. Yes. Anyway, sir. So, he says, let us. Labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. Let any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Meaning, if a man labors to enter into rest, he won't fall on after the same example of unbelief. Does that make sense? Yes. Are we together? So, how does a man labor to enter into rest? After yes, sir. By the way, I believe in that. Why you guys scared to answer like this? By believing. Are we together? So, the way you labor, so enter into rest. So don't just say because it's labor, labor has to be hard work. Look at the context. Are we together? What based on the context, how does the man enter into rest? So far, the reason they enter into rest was because what? They did not believe. Because there was unbelief in their heart. So for a man to labor to enter into that rest, that labor here. Are we together? Do you understand? Exactly. So labor has a context. Alright, let's continue. Uh he says, let us say, okay, verse 12. He says, for the, word, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword, 
piercing unto the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Now, the word of God is quick, the word is dead, it is living. That's what it means. It means the word of God is alive. The word of God is alive, it is powerful, and it is sharper than any two-edged sword. Why is it sharper than any two-edged sword? It says, piercing evil to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. What is just trying to let you see here, basically? Eh? He, he actually says in the next verse, let's look at the next verse. He says, Neither is there any creature that is not manifested in sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to Hallelujah. So, him saying the word of God is speak, that the word of God is living, is powerful, sharper than any sword, blessing to divide in asunder, you know, meaning it enters inside. It's just trying to let you see there is nothing that is eating from it. I always get that. That's the Amen. So when he says, you know, when, for, for you to be able to divide soul and spirit, that, that, that's, that's sharp. I will hear that. Like when you're able to divide joint and man, soul and spirit, when you're able to do that, that's sharp. So what I'm trying to do here is trying to let you know that there is nothing that can be hid from the world. I will get that. It can go that deep. There's nothing that can be hid from it. And so he now goes on to say, it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the earth. Meaning, you can't hide from it. You can't hide what is going on within your heart from it. And don't forget that by context, we've been speaking in the language of belief and not belief. Amen? Yeah. Hallelujah. So what he's doing here is not bringing something extraneous. What are, what are you supposed to be? The Word of God. What I'm trying to tell you simply is that when the Word of God is introduced, eh, the state of your heart cannot be hidden from it. I wish you that. You can hide to us. You can form the way of the other to us. I wish you get that. But with the Word, you either believe or you don't believe it. Do you understand? You can't hide your belief or belief of the word of the world. Do you get my point? Do you understand? It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intent of your heart. Does that make sense, guys? So the word of the Lord here by context is actually because not you know, just everything but I mean it's complicated if you like also use it for your other teachings, etc. etc. But by context is fundamental you're gonna have the gospel. Alright, how that you cannot pay belief for all the people. Hallelujah. 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 Let's go on. So, verse 13. It is neither that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of you with whom we have to do. He now says, Seeing then that we have a greater priest that is passed on to the heavens. Guys, let me show you something very shocking. Do you realize that what you have from Hebrews 3 and verse 7? Up to Hebrews 4 and verse 13 is like a sandwich. Let me show you something. Go to Hebrews 3 and verse 6. Go to Hebrews 3 6. So, from Hebrews 3 verse 1, he's talking about faithfulness of one, faithfulness of the other. So, faithfulness of Moses in his house, right? Faithfulness of um, Jesus in his own house as a son. Are we together? Faithfulness of Moses in his house as a servant, right? Verse 6. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we? If we hold fast the confidence and rejoicing of the hope, firm unto the end. Now, don't just do like as though you are reading like that. Now go to Hebrews 4 and verse 14. Hebrews 4 and verse 14. Are you there? 
Now read it. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passing through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our freedom. Do you know that you can actually read Hebrews 3 6, continue Hebrews 4 14? I feel like you're reading the same thing. What he did in Hebrews 3 from verse 7 to Hebrews 4 verse 13 was just to make sure that, was just to convince you to have faith in the work of this high priest. Do you know that it was after that Hebrews 3 and verse 6 that he was he now began to explain. Um, um, hardening of hearts, the, the Jews in the Old Testament, do you understand me? How they hardened their heart because of unbelief, and they did not enter into rest, and then they entered Hebrews 4, still talking about their rest, so on and so forth. And the way to stop rest, he continued talking about Jesus at the end. I mean, don't even forget that what even brought up the whole discussion about Moses in his house and Jesus in his own house was about Jesus being the high priest. In Hebrews chapter 2, the end of Hebrews 2. Don't forget. Go to I want to let you here to make you see how that the entirety of Hebrews is just one thought. Do you understand? It's one flow of thoughts. Do you get me? It's one flow of thoughts. Look at Hebrews 2. The end of Hebrews 2. Sorry. The end of Hebrews 2 is. See, for that, okay, verse 17. Wherefore in all things it behoved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For that he himself. So here he's talking about the. How he is a faithful life priest? Are we together? That he can be a faithful life priest because he is like he is a man just like other men. Are we together? Do you understand me? And so in that line, he now enters verse 3. Oh, sorry, chapter 3. To keep talking about his faithfulness. So I shall now show how Moses' faithfulness was the typification of what his own faithfulness. Are we together? And so while he was doing that, he was saying, let me quickly take a decoy. Let me, you push make sure that you guys don't have one belief in your heart. Do you understand me? Ensure you don't have one belief in your heart because that was how. During most of this time, people like you people too had not believe in the other and didn't time to rest. And my time was not talking about the rest, not for sure. So Jesus has the faithful life priest. Do you get it? Just, that was just by Jewish. I just wanted you guys to see it. Alright. So Hebrews 4. Continue. It says, uh, 4 verse 14. Seeing that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, he says, Jesus, the Son of God, let us do what? Our profession. Alright, let us hold fast. Alright, so when he says, seeing that we have this, let us hold fast our profession. That's basically faith. Alright? Let us hold fast our profession. That's let's be confident of that which we speak. Are we together? Are we together? Let's hold fast our profession because of our faith to life. And so he now says, For we have not an high priest that cannot be touched with the picking of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, and was yet without. Does this sound like, uh, let me go back to Hebrews 2, where it says, uh, Hebrews 2, where it says, Wherefore in all things it behoved him to make like unto his brethren, that he may be a merciful and faithful life in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the people. For him that himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to support them that are tempted. Does that sound like? Yes, are we together? So, just, so can you say the same thing? Did you get it? He's trying to let you that, oh, this is why he can be a faithful life priest. This is why he is the best example of an life priest for you guys. Are we together? Yes, Do you understand? That's what we're This is why he's the best example of an life priest because just like he's a man, so yet he's without sin. Are we together? So he has walked in the, in the stead of where you walk, and yet he was without sin. And so that's why he's the best person that can relate to what you do. Do you understand? That's why he's the best as an life priest. And so, let me just round up Hebrews 4. And this is good to be. This is good to be. 
So he says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and grace to help in time of need. Now, a very good question. When he says, Come boldly unto the throne of grace, will he be talking here to the believers? Will they, when he tells you to come to the throne of grace, would he be asking believers to come to the throne of grace? He's asking all believers to come to the throne of grace. Who? Believers or believers? Say to your mind now. Believers or believers? It is all believers. All believers. All believers. 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 So, what's the best way you know, want to pray? Say, Lord, you come humbly on your throne of grace this morning. By context, hallelujah. By context, now don't forget that what even brings the idea of the throne of grace in the first instance is that the high priest is gone into it. Do you understand? The high priest is there. So the idea of this is that if the high priest is there, whosoever has received the work of the high priest is with him there. Does that make sense, guys? That's the rest. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Ephesians 2, I say, He has raised us together and made us sit together with Christ in heavenly places. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Amen. So, if the high priest is on the throne of grace, we as well have received grace. We as well are on the throne of grace and we have received grace. Are we together? Do you understand me? What he is doing here is employing people who have not received this grace. So you only come to the throne of grace once. The throne of grace is not where you go every day. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. You're not collecting fresh supply of pure water. Yeah. No. The throne of grace is where you go once. And the mercy and grace you receive is the work of the high priest made available to you. Does that make sense? Are we together? So a man going onto the throne of grace is basically a man receiving the gospel by faith. Does that make sense? Yeah. Are we together? Because, okay, yeah, let me just say this. Because, I, didn't, I mean, I have time to say this. Because, you see, when the high priest goes into the holiest of all, now when you look at the canvas of the high priest, one of the things that the high priest should do is the royal effort. And now the way the effort works is that it has the six names of, it has the 12 tribes of Israel, and it's six on one side and six on the other side. And so, what that means is that as he enters into the holiest of all, he is going as though the entire tribe of Israel went in as sacrifices were made for them. Does that make sense? Are we together? So, if that's the signification of what Christ would have done, it would mean that when Christ also entered in, he entered in as though he was entering for everybody. Do you understand? Are we together? And if Christ therefore entered as such that, it would mean that whoever has received what Christ did is where he is. Does that make sense, guys? Yes. Are we together? So anybody who has to come into where Christ is, one who is not yet the past. Do you understand? Once you receive of what Christ has done, you are where he is. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. That's the meaning of the Spirit of God. So I am constantly in the throne of grace. I am one who has received mercy. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm the favor of the Lord. Hallelujah. Have received grace and have received mercy. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Amen. Say who watches over me. 
The reason why Professor Moore says, No, let's close it. Let's do some of our things. They have never stranded. I'm never confused. I have all that I need. I have all that I need. I'm the help of the Lord. I'm the help of the Lord. You know, I've said this before. I said, when one of the, some of the things that God showed me about his ministry is that we're going to have, first of all, we're going to raise men who are disciples, all right? But then I'm going to raise men who are officials. Hallelujah. Men who are officials. Amen. Be faithful. And if you are in your position to speak, Hallelujah. And it's not speaking that comes from fear, it's speaking that comes from fear. Hallelujah. When you speak and you sense a need as you speak, do you understand? Then you can speak and sense the anointing. Hallelujah. I'm not saying it's a generality again, but you can actually speak and know that something came out. Hallelujah. It's in cases like that when I give a word of knowledge and I say, I say it again because I know that when I said it, something came out. Are we together? Do you understand me? Yes, so you can talk like that. You can talk and stare up something. Hallelujah. You must know how to do that. You, you, when God, God sends us a particular place to do a walk, and it won't be like it. You stand and you speak. Hallelujah. I'm never stranded. I'm never confused. I'm the favorite of the world. I have all that I need. 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 Now unto him, 
that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that I ask or think according to this part that works in me, by me, for me, and through me. Glory to Jesus.